episode 209. If you're really good, I told you 208 was Boise, Idaho. Oh, boy. Do you know 209? If you know 209, oh. I'm really impressed. And that's not the stump the band question yeah. to start the show. Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, come on. Uh, Bozeman, Montana. Oh, come on. Stop it with Bozeman, Montana. <laughs> you almost said it. Uh, 209. 209. Cheyenne, Wyoming. No, cut it out with Cheyenne. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever heard of Modesto, California? Oh, sure. I How love about Modesto. Stockton, California? Oh, I love that whole area. It's Have gorgeous. You, stop it. You've never been there. I don't know where it is. No, I think it's northern. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of Sacramento-ish. Yeah, yeah. It's northern. Yeah. That's right. I think George Lucas might be from that area. George, did he play for the Yankees? Yes, he did, George Lucas. Hell of a home run hitter. Catcher. He made a movie called American Graffiti. That's probably how you know George built, Lucas. Built like a catcher or a third baseman, George Lucas, <laughs> no with doubt. the beard. Yes. Yes, Stockton, California, Modesto, California is area code 209. I'll have you know. Thank you, sir. You learn something new every day. There you go. Yes. Now, the official Stump the Band question, you didn't get last week's correct. You remember that? Well, it was uh, it was uh, the sub place, Jersey. Oh, Jersey Mike's. Jersey yeah. Mike's pissed me off. I should have got that. The fastest growing restaurant chain in America. Yeah, I could have got that. Oh, by the way, George Lucas born in Modesto, California. There you How go. How about that? Area code two hundred nine. The horse shit that I know. It's so sad. Why couldn't I have been like a lawyer or a doctor <laughs> and retain all this nonsense? But for something that could help me in life, why is do he, I know this? Is he truly from Modesto? California? He is, as a matter of fact. And he actually based. You see American Graffiti? You probably I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you liked that. it? Yeah, a long, long time ago. Wasn't. Uh, Opie? Wasn't Opie in American Graffiti? He was. And so wasn't was... Richard Gere in... Uh, no. No, it's no, uh, the no, guy no. from Jaws. We just talked about... Um, Not Roy uh, Scheider. Dreyfus. No. Oh, oh, Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah, Richard yeah. Dreyfus, yeah. 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 And uh, yeah. Cindy, uh, Cindy, whatever her name is, from Laverne and Shirley. Uh, not Laverne, but Williams. Shirley. Cindy, Cindy Williams. Cindy Williams is in yeah. it. And yeah. Wolfman Jack. Yeah. Great movie. Let's how, go watch how it. How have I done with names so far? <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here and go watch it. I'm great with names <laughs> from the 70s. <laughs> That's right. The problem is I don't know names from the 90s. You don't know your neighbor's names is the problem. On Friday night, Hotshot Scott, I'll have you know that the beloved Seattle Mariners punched their ticket to the postseason for the first time since 2001. Did you know that? They did? Yeah, it was oh, the longest wow. it was the longest current drought in professional team sports. Oh boy. But now now that the Mariners are off the Schneider will be playing somewhere either here or Toronto yeah. or Cleveland. Who now is at the top? Who did they pass oh. the baton to in team sports? Yeah. The team that's been the longest, like the Big 4. Yeah, team sports. Yeah, and yeah. NHL, NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. It's funny. They, they showed that the Jets are now the – or not now, but the Jets are the ones who have been the longest. In the NFL. In the NFL. I 2010. Thinking, 2010, I was like, oh, that's quaint. I mean, 2010, <laughs> shit, what we have done for – That was last Tuesday. <laughs> that's right. 2010, I feel sorry for them. Uh, Good Lord. Right. So it's probably not the Jets, I'm guessing. The Jets are the answer in the NFL, but they are not the overall, overall yeah. now leader – in terms of droughts. Oh, man. You're to give me a... I mean, because if it's a hockey team, I'm out. The NHL's Buffalo Sabres 2011 would be the longest NHL draft current... Or NHL drought. Drought, yeah. Currently... Okay, so it's not the NHL. It's not the NFL. That's right. That leaves Major League Baseball and yeah. the NBA. Major League Baseball and the NBA. Hmm. 
I can't come up with who it would be. Major League Baseball, the Philadelphia Phillies apparently have not made the really? postseason Weren't since 2011. Weren't they just good recently? I, I thought like... they were, and I, maybe if I read this wrong, <laughs> I stand corrected if I, re- I read this wrong. I mean, they had a hell of a team, but I feel I like it was like, two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> right. Ryan Howard. Right. Wait, who was yeah. the pitcher that passed away in the plane? I remember him. He was really good. Oh, and, Roy Halladay. Like, they had a hell of a staff at they one had, point. They uh, had Cole Hamill. Yeah, right. What's wrong? I mean, maybe I'm wrong about no, that. No, you're probably right. But again, it's like 10 which years ago. Which brings us to the NBA, which boasts the team with the longest current drought now that the Mariners are off the schneid. Your Spurs. Sacramento oh, Kings. Wow. 2006. Would you like to know the starting lineup of the 2006 Sacramento Kings? Now the team with the longest playoff drought in team sports. Did it have a uh, Jason Bibby? Was uh, Bibby on there? Yeah, but it wasn't Jason. It'd oh, be Mike Bibby. Oh, Mike Bibby. Yes, that that Bibby, his his older brother. Mike Bibby yes, was on Bibby. the team. Very impressed. Yeah, well, I used to watch sports at one point. Yeah. And then they had they had that really good shooter who was he was not from. Oh, don't United start States. getting cocky now. Well, no, he, oh, I'll never think, get his name. I know who you're. Thinking you know who of. I'm thinking of. Yes, was he on it? You're thinking of uh, Stoyakovich. Uh, no, uh, Pedro. <laughs> Pedro. Yeah, I, maybe, maybe yeah, Pedro. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's wrong. I'm thinking of not, that no. team. Okay, I'll never get it. Well, don't say you're thinking of that team because you got Mike Bibby. Yeah. The starting lineup of the 2006 Sacramento Kings. And who says we only talk about Seattle sports? That's right. <laughs> Mike Bibby. Yeah. Good guy, Bonzi Wells. Oh, sure. A guy by the name of Meta Sandiford Artest. Oh, sure, yes. Otherwise known as Ron Artest. Mm-hmm. Kenny Thomas. And Brad Miller, the center, all playing for head coach Rick Adelman ah. in the 2006 NBA season. It's a hell of a there team right there. Hell of a team. Don't tell me that you didn't learn something on episode episode Modesto, episode George Lucas. I always do, yes. Episode Stockton, California. I think George Lucas wrote the, that movie about his childhood, like a high school. Like It was a big thing to go cruising down, yeah. the, down the boulevard, you know, that whole thing. Why is it that every time I go to sports, you bring it back to George Lucas <laughs> in his life? I'm not even a huge Star Wars fan. Like, in fact, I, I went to a trivia contest this weekend. I'll tell you what, I'll and just we, give you the floor. Why don't you just continue to talk? I could let's get, forever, let's get yeah. George Lucas yeah, yeah. out of the way. So we can say that Mitch Unfiltered is available on all major podcast platforms. Rate and review us on the Apple podcast page, please. Please. Five-star ratings would be great. You can become a Mitch Unfiltered patron for $5 a month and have access to all the bonus shows. The four short shows each week, about 20 to 30 minutes. We Mm -hmm. do four of them. I think we're going to up it during the playoffs, during the Major League Baseball playoffs. got Randy Mueller, Danny O'Neill, Slickhawk, Joe and Brady. $5 $5 a month is all it costs. You go to MitchUnfiltered.com and click on Become a Patron. If $5 is problematic per month for whatever reason, mm-hmm. email me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, and I'll take care of you. Okay? Because, you know, all I do is support my community by giving back. You know that about me, right? So um, <laughs> over the weekend, I went to a fundraiser for Mount Sinai High School cheerleading. Oh, you did? Because I, I love to give back. Well, that's a Bill Sanders thing. Oh, I saw Bill Sanders. You I, did? Oh, we should, we should share the bike I think, together. I think he's got a daughter on the cheer team. Oh, he sure does. I think he sent out an email with her picture. Oh, he did? Yeah, to me, yes. Oh, so you, oh, asking for money or something? Yeah, asking for something. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly so, what he was asking. I gave my time and a little bit of money, of course. Anyway, so I saw little Jimmy, Kenny B. We all hung out. But there was a trivia little question. Little Jimmy, did you have to go there? Well, yeah, he knows. Wink, did he wink at you a couple oh, times? Nonstop, yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's tell when you play cards with him, too. Poker. He claims it's not, but I think it's a tell. <laughs> anyway, the question, that it pissed, wink. the question that pissed me off that I got wrong was. Oh, there was trivia? It was an 80s trivia night. Okay. Which is why he invited me. Great choice. Do I have any chance of getting this right? Is it a music? No, it's, it's 
movies. Okay. We're talking about George Lucas. Okay. So in, in the 90s, the number one grossing movie of all time you could probably get in the 90s, 1997. It was enormous. Probably E.T. or something. Yeah, that would be 15 years earlier. But, okay, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's called Titanic. Yeah. With James oh, Cameron I, yeah. made it. Yeah. That, that was in the 90s? <laughs> I know, right? 97. God, so the question is, last Thursday. what was number two? The number two highest grossing movie in, in the 90s? I, would I no said idea. Jurassic Park. Pretty solid guess, right? I don't have any idea. When these movies were made, okay. I have no idea. I say Jurassic Park. Yeah. The guy running it, an, an ex-radio guy. I think he might still be on the radio. Really? Yeah, I don't know. He says it's the Phantom Menace, Star Wars. It was the the first of the new Star Wars. And then during the break, I look it up because it's a break. Yes. Jurassic Park had a higher, it grossed more uh, internationally. International dollars, sure. So now we got a problem. Do I go up to the guy? Oh, no. Do I go up there? What was on the line? My pride, because I was right. So now I got to go up there. Do I go up there no. and settle his hash and tell him he's wrong? No. Because he didn't say either domestic or internet. He didn't. There was no distinction. Was he like volunteering to help out? Uh, I'm sure he got paid. Okay. Let, no, he he's didn't. a radio guy. He didn't do anything for free. Come, Come on. Come on. This is all for good. <laughs> this anyway, is all for the cheer squad. I had it right domestically. It's Jurassic Park. Internationally, it's the cockamamie Phantom Menace. So I got it wrong. But he didn't. He didn't give a distinction. It was pissed me off. I almost took over and hosted I haven't gotten the around to myself. Phantom Menace yet, but I'm getting there. You haven't gotten around to Empire Strikes Back, have you? <laughs> no, I have not. 82? <laughs> no. You know, I could, can't find no. time? No. <laughs> 39 years not later? Not interested. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, so if you'd like to become a patron and the $5 is, uh, is difficult for you each month, just uh, holler at me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, like the following people did, just to tell me about their thoughts on the show. Right. Hey, Mitch, I give up. Last year, I bet every one of Neuheisel's picks, and I lost my effing ass. So I decided at the end of last year, if Mitch has the nerve to let Rick make picks next year again, I would just go the other way. Yep, he's four and one. Oh, geez. <laughs> Ever heard of cup of noodles three times a day? Frank in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, poor Frank. Sorry, Frank. Yeah. He's red hot, that Rick Neuheisel, yeah. red hot. It's the torture of betting. I've got to William from uh, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, who writes, Mitch, tell Scott that if there's one prick in all of the softball parents, he deserves to get aired out on the show. But from my experiences with youth sports forever ago, there's never just one prick. The fact that all of this shit comes up after a trip to the Little League World Series is the shame of it all. Doesn't winning cure everything? You'd think. Signed, William in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. You'd think. So is there only one, or is there more than one? One person or one family? One prick. Oh, person or family. I don't know how to, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. The problem is, if I, if I air out somebody, yes. this person might have young kids who I've known forever and who yeah. I adore, and it's their parents, and I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to But you're not airing out. out the kids, you're airing out the parents. Right, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm too close to that family. It just, it wouldn't feel right. If they did, if, yeah, believe me, there's a lot of, here's the problem is that it was like a year of pent up frustration, but no one said anything. Because they just like, well, that's why rock the bow? What's the, you know, there's kids playing. These guys went to the Little League yeah. World Series. And then when the season ended, it's like it all just came spouting why? out. Why? Shouldn't yeah, it just go away at that point? It was, that, that Mariner game was awful for me. We haven't talked about that yet, right? That was after uh, last week's show? Yeah. We didn't talk about it? Yeah, because we, we last recorded it and then you went last week oh, after we recorded. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was awful. Yes. Tell us. It did not get better. 
It was bad. So who threw out the first pitch? How did they decide who was going to throw out the first pitch? So the, the commissioner of, of Issaquah Little League Baseball intervened. He put out, I remember I told you, he put all the names in like this computer-generated Wheel of Fortune thing, and it spun around, and he videotaped it so we could all see it. So obviously, the youngest kid on the team is the one that got to throw it out, <laughs> which, I, which made me laugh. There was only one fifth grader on the team, and she got picked. So. That's good for her. No, it was cool. It was really cool. And then uh, Everybody went out on the field. Yeah, and then the starting shortstop got to be the catcher. So Bonnie Lake's out there with Issaquah. And then they throw at the same time. And, I see. But, um, so baseball, Little League, softball, Little League, yeah. everybody's throwing out the first pitch. Yeah. And parents are invited to be in a suite? That's correct. Yeah. Only one of those teams on the field went to the World Series. Though. I feel like we kind of should have had our own night. But anyway, moving on. I thought the other two. Yeah, they did. Go oh, to did the they World. go to the World Series? Yes. Uh, okay. What are you talking about? Anyway, so the parents had them. The parents had a suite. And uh, one of the families chose not to come really visit at all. Because they just were not happy with the other 12 families. So they, they stayed away and got seats down below. They didn't go into the suite. Yeah, they, they came up later on, I think. Or maybe at first. But they, yeah, they, How about the kid? Uh, the kid was hanging out, having a good time. The kid was in the suite. I think for a lot of it. And then maybe and the parents eventually, yeah. That passed. are not happy with the rest of everybody yeah. passed. Uh-huh. And so, well, that, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a perfect night then. So why was it uncomfortable if the parents that were the issue yeah. were not in the suite and everybody else was in the suite? Why was it not a good? It sounds like a the perfect remedy. So before the they first, excused themselves from a difficult situation before before the first pitch, <laughs> everybody went down to the field like right behind the you know to, yes. to watch your kid right. And so one of the people my wife tried to go talk to and completely got shunned, which made my wife cry, who probably cried two or three times that night. I mean, completely just like shunned her. Just like, nope, we're not talking. Get away from me. I actually moved a seat over. Just, it was just, it was bad. It was just bad. Um, I heard, I wasn't there, but I heard about some stuff that was said underneath the stadium before they came out between two coaches. You know, get the F away from me was one of them. Oh. That kind of stuff. So it was just a weird, uncomfortable, friendships oh. have been ruined night. It was, it's just, I, I thought maybe everyone would just. Jesus. I thought everyone would just hold it this together. This is better for, than the World Series itself. I'm going to write a book. The parents of, Be- what do they call it? The wives of Beverly Hills? Uh, yeah, the wives of, of Issaquah, Washington. I mean, the, it's like. They, I this could, is like the parents of, of Little League World Series kids. It's insane. And it's sad. It's really sad because there's kids involved. And like I said, the, the, the family, I, they have, I know their kids forever. And yeah. it's just, it's awful. It's just, it's just the whole thing really, really sucks. And honestly, like, I think it's affecting Piper. She had a softball tournament, like, after that happened. Just didn't seem into it. Just didn't just seem, you know. Just, it's taken the fun out of the game I think, a little bit. I think she soured on softball so the, the, a bit. So you're saying that the kids are now acutely aware of everything that's going on. Yeah, I thought you could insulate the kids. Not from, when they all have you know, phones and they're all around. Yeah. They're all 13, 12. I mean, that's, that, that's stupid. Yeah, they, they hear stuff. They see stuff. Stuff gets set out and, you know. it's. Ugh. I can't believe it got to this. I, I can't believe it got to this. Wow. Like, I thought I would show up at the game and it would just be cordial, weird. Yeah. Little handshakes, you know, whatever. Just fake it the whole time. Fake it till you make it. And then we kind of just go our separate ways. And nope, it was ugly. It was just like, it was bad. It was just bad. Yeah, it was just bad. It was it was awful. But the game itself, I'll go back to being in the suite without the problem issue. That's what I'm talking the, about, the game itself. Why would that be uncomfortable if everybody there got along and the problem issue was not there? Well, I told you, something happened in the stadium underneath. Yes. Beforehand. Yes. That was ugly. Okay. And then before, like when we're in the, we're in the stands watching our kids. Yes. That was ugly. Yes. Okay, and then... But the part in the... In the suite was okay. Yeah, but it doesn't. You don't just forget about what just I happened. See, I, I mean, see. it just kind of ruins it. I'm just yeah. sitting there like seething that I'm somebody sorry. would treat my wife. Is like Is there this. anything I can do? <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> yes, can you go fight somebody for me? <laughs> I, I want to play the role of Justin Bieber. That's right. <laughs> Just somebody text me and yeah. tell me what I can do. Yeah, Brittany Griner's like, gee, thanks, Justin. Still in here, by the way. Uh, hello, Mitch. First time, long time. I'm sitting on a plane listening to your podcast that began with the ads on the Run My Pools website. Not only did you have me laughing out loud... But you had me worried about the ads that I might find when I log in. Oh, boy. You moved me to log in immediately. <laughs> and I must report, incognito must be working on my end. My ad was for a Jeep. Nice. <laughs> keep using your phone, buddy. <laughs> Just keep using your phone. And for for that the kind people of stuff. who don't understand that joke, yeah. you have to go back a couple of shows. I'm not going to redo it. But you got to go back a couple of shows and find out about the, the people that were complaining about the nature of the yeah. ads on the Run My Pools website. I mean, that guy had no idea he'd be giving Bill Sanders this many hits just from his one email, <laughs> did he? Because I think everybody wants to go see what, what shows up when you go there. Now we're all curious, aren't we? Mine was a, a softball catcher's helmet, so I felt good about myself. Oh, God. <laughs> God. Mine was candy. There you uh, go. Fireside Home Solutions <laughs> I, presents I haven't Pete met her, but she sounds nice. Uh, Fireside Home Solutions <laughs> presents Pete the Boys. Week five is coming up this week. I've got games and I've got a password. Did, are you are you picking the games? Oh, I have to pick them. Have you picked all of the games? Have you missed any of the weeks? I want to know right now. Let me see. Uh, what's the contest called again? Say it one more time. Stop it. Have you missed any of the weeks? Have you at least tried to pick the games? I think I have tried. all the weeks. Good. Well, I think okay. this is the first week I really tried. I mean, before, I, I don't care. Just as long as you made get some 50 50 They're coin tosses to begin with. This week I had Buffalo and Las Vegas. How did I do so far? You had Buffalo and Las Vegas. Buffalo won on a boneheaded play okay. and decision by saw that coming a, a great away. coach mm-hmm. named John Harbaugh, not Jim Harbaugh. Okay. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Going for you know what he did? No, tell me. 2020, late in the game, fourth and goal from like the three. Okay. 2020, late in the game. Yeah. They're at the three-yard line. He goes for it as opposed to kicking the go-ahead field goal. And Buffalo stops him, comes down, kicks the three field goal, and wins the game. <laughs> Why wouldn't you just kick And he's got Marcus Peters screaming at him, the former UW guy. Oh, there's, sure, yeah. There's problems on the sidelines. So everybody's mad at well, the coach. It's like, it's a quad little league. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, so I had Buffalo and then Las Vegas won, right? Yes, they beat Russell right. Wilson. I'm 2-0, sure so there you they go. They sure you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, games, uh, games this week, week five. Lions at Patriots. Okay. Titans at Commanders. Chargers at Browns, and the password is Raleigh. Oh. Not rally, Raleigh. Now you get to spell that for everybody. R-A-L-E-I-G-H. Cal Raleigh is last name. Not rally, Raleigh. Go see Cal. Did Cal Worthington make it to Florida? Cal Worthington. He was the car salesman. I don't know who and that his, is. And his dog spot. It was like a lion. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Yeah, it must about have been now. a West Coast thing, Cal I have Worthington. no idea what you're talking ah, about. Okay. But Cal Raleigh, yeah, familiar. the catcher with two outs in the bottom of the ninth on Friday night, hit a game-winning home run to propel the Mariners into the playoffs for the first time in 20-some-odd years. Pretty amazing. So because of that, we're making Cal Raleigh's last name, R-A-L-E-I-G-H, all, all lowercase. lowercase. Yes. Thank you very much. That's the password. Fireside Home Solutions. Thank you very much, John Waterstrat for presenting Beat the Boys. Guests on this episode 209, the usuals, New Heisel Red Hot. Where's he going next? Four picks in a row against the spread. Wow. Hit and send us to the bank. Seahawks no table. Henderson and Fan on a Seahawks victory on the road in Detroit. <laughs> 
and Christian Capel of The Athletic, who covers the Washington Huskies, and he could tell us what the hell happened on Friday night to our unbeaten and perfect season hopes for the Washington Huskies. I hope he has answers. I can't wait to hear. I still don't know (laughs) what the hell I was looking at. I know what you were looking at, but we'll let him describe it. Okay, sounds good. Hotshot episode 209 doesn't happen without our partners like Daniel's Broiler, locally owned by the Schwartz family, which has been an amazing pillar of the Northwest for all these years. Four locations, Leshy, downtown at the Hyatt, South Lake Union, atop the world at Bellevue Place. There's simply no better place to celebrate special occasions than Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Fireside Home Solutions, up to $300 off. Gas fireplace inserts right now at Fireside. Can't be a better time to plan for fall and winter. FiresideHomeSolutions.com. And thanks for the Beat the Boys competition. Password for week five is Raleigh, as in the catcher who hit the playoff clinching home run. The Kirkland Office of Cross Country Mortgage. I got to tell you, Jordan Flowers has been handing out dozens of of tickets to the final Mariners homestand to unfiltered listeners. Just another example of how incredible a partner his office has been since the start of Unfiltered. Seven minutes is all you need with lead man Jordan Flowers to discuss your financing needs. 425-890-2957. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com is more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. And Zeke's Pizza, Seward Park, Terrace Station in Mount Lake Terrace, a signed deal in Boise, Idaho, for the first location outside the state of Washington. The growth of Zeke's Pizza continues to amaze. They just do it right. Download the Zeke's Pizza app today, homegrown in the Northwest. The Mariners are in the playoffs. The Seahawks win. We got to get the Huskies up and running again. And the Cougs have been terrific. Episode 209 begins right now. Unfiltered. It's much (laughs) easier being fans of the ballet. This team is going to put me in the frickin' grave. Unfiltered. This whole bullpen thing where guys are pitching the ninth in one game, and then they're pitching the sixth in the next game, and then they're pitching the eighth in the next. Can we not get into some sort of a rhythm of, okay, it's so-and-so, for the most part, it's so-and-so in the seventh, it's so-and-so in the eighth, and it's so-and-so in the ninth. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode Modesto, California. Episode George Lucas. Episode 209 is now officially underway. American Graffiti is a great movie. You should go back Are and watch. Are we back to George Lucas? <laughs> you should go watch it again, though. It's really good. Let's. Uh, There's a good trivia question about who the woman is in the Thunderbird that he's trying to chase and get a hold uh, of. Oh, I don't even. I haven't seen the movie in like oh. 40 years. It surprisingly holds up. It's good. It's a. It's an old movie. Yeah, it's like 73, I think. Yeah. And then he goes and he and Wolfman Jack's playing on everyone's car the whole night. Yeah. Because that's all you listen to. Do you think anybody then. knows who Wolfman Jack is in our audience? Our audience? I've been to some of your appearances on the show. <laughs> yes, our audience knows, all right? Oh, now, what are you trying to say? <laughs> now, um, it's a good movie, but everyone's listening to Wolf. And then he goes and finds the radio station and he talks to Wolfman Jack. But he's, he's like, but he, he convinces him he's not Wolfman Jack. He's like, no, no, he comes in later. That's yeah, not really him. Yeah, yeah. And then he walks out and he turns around and he sees him going, 
He's like, oh, I got tricked. I got tricked. It really wasn't. Anyway, great movie, man. You should go back and watch it. I haven't seen it in forever. It's great. It's really good. Okay. Yes. All right. Okay. Sorry to throw you off, but that's kind of what I do. Well, we could start with the crazy weekend, which was nuts in Pacific Northwest sports. Yeah. Or I could just ask you if you've seen Bowie, the Kraken mascot. Do you know that the Kraken unveiled their mascot over the weekend? I saw something about it on Twitter. Bowie. Yeah. He's a... Um, I forgot to check. He's a troll. Oh, really? He's a he's the nephew of the troll, the Fremont Bridge troll. Oh. You know the Fremont Bridge troll? Of course. This Very is familiar. the nephew. The nephew is uh, little old Bowie. Bowie. I got to look spelled, him up. spelled B-U-O-Y, like a buoy in the water. Yeah. Isn't that what it is? You a sure, buoy that yeah. kind of floats in the water? Yep. The new Kraken mascot. I thought you'd have a... Uh, a um, an opinion. I guess you don't. Oh, I see him now. Bowie the Kraken mascot. Bowie the troll. Yes. Kind of cute. He's got an earring. It's like um, an anchor. <laughs> it's an anchor, yeah. An anchor gold <laughs> earring. Wait, do we know it's a he? Do we know if it's a boy or girl? Do we not? Do well, we care? Do we not know? Bowie. Bowie hmm. the Kraken mascot. Okay. How do you feel about Bowie? I don't really care about Bowie. <laughs> you brought him up. <laughs> I just thought you probably would have some definitive thoughts on Bowie the mascot. I meant to look at it because it was yeah. talking about on Twitter, and I just yeah. forgot to go look at it. Yeah. I wonder why they do it. Wait, it's still preseason for them, right? We're getting ready to start. Yeah, they didn't do it last year Yeah. because, I, I guess, of the pandemic or whatever. Everything got pushed off a year. Uh, okay. The team, unfortunately, didn't get pushed off a year. Yeah. But um, <laughs> Felt like they did. But Bowie is out now. They've got a new mascot, and awesome. now there's only like one or two teams in the NHL that don't have a mascot. The Seattle Kraken is now not one of them because of Bowie. Nice job, Seattle Bowie Kraken. Bowie the mascot. Bowie the troll. Yeah. I wonder if the Squatch guys... What is a troll? Uh, did, didn't trolls used to control bridges, like who could pass by them? Remember the, the three billy goats, Gruff or whatever? And there's a troll lived under the bridge, yes. and he decided if you got to pass or not. I think it's a fictitious kind of deep sea character or something. Oh, I, I didn't deep know sea. it was had to do with with water. No, troll. I think you're right though. I think it might have to be a spinoff on on the the Fremont troll. I think if they're calling him Bowie, yeah, that's obviously, and it's the Kraken yeah. who kind of live in the in the water. Not I would kinda, think that, I would yes. think that a troll has something to do with water. I think more bridges. Maybe we should know this before we started recording. <laughs> what would make this different than any other episode? <laughs> But no, I think there's a lot, oh. lot of bridges in Seattle and water's under it. And I think yeah. a troll, yeah, lives under bridges. I think yeah. that's what it is. Well, that's where the Fremont troll lives. Yeah, yes, he does. Since 1989, I'm told. Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad Maybe we can work look that it out. Up. Maybe you should figure it all out. <laughs> okay, I will. All right. So here's the crazy weekend, as it turns out, in the world of sports in the Northwest. It starts on Friday night. So I don't know where you were on Friday night. On well, Friday I can, night. I can tell you it was brilliant. I was having dinner with my wife because my daughter was at the football game, my high school football game. Yeah. It's her and I. I got the Huskies on one TV. Yes. Though, I got the Mariners on the right. Yes. Delicious coho food in front oh. of me. Uh, maybe a drink or two. Yeah. Great Friday night. Highest of all hopes. Yeah. My wife does not like it when I'm looking up at TVs at dinner with her. Yeah, mine doesn't either, but she just expects it. She doesn't. She does. In fact, when we go to a place that might have TVs, she quickly takes the chair that would be looking <laughs> at the TV. Pretty smart, actually. So, I, I, yeah, yeah, so. so you had the two things going on yep. simultaneously. You had just the utter disappointment of the Washington-UCLA game. Yeah. Although it started off pretty good. They went down and scored and took a 7 nothing lead, and I thought, okay, this is going to be easy. Penix looked like Penix. Yes, he sure did. Like what he's been doing all year, he just did it against UCLA. And then the University of Washington decided not to play defense for the remainder of the evening. That is true. And... Uh, at the same time, so you've got the Huskies getting spanked, no defense. The quarterback was human in the second quarter, and the Huskies lose their first game of the season. 
Yep. At the same time, you've got Cal Raleigh hitting the home run with two out in the ninth. The place just goes. The te- you could just if you opened your windows, you yeah. could hear like Seattle shaking. Mm-hmm. The whole town was shaking. It was a buzz Great. over that over the way that it, what's it? Which is interesting to me because the truth of the matter is, we know they were going. We already knew they were going to the postseason. It was either going to be that night, or it was going to be an Orioles loss, or it was going to be the next night, or whatever. Yeah. But it's it. The region is so thirsty for a a Mariners baseball team in the postseason that they celebrated like this was a do or die situation. The celebration was almost like if Raleigh doesn't come through there, we're out. Are you? Are wait? Are you suggesting that the ceremony might the celebration might have been a little excessive? No, no, no. Oh. I'm, I, I, in fact. I loved I loved all of the celebration. Okay. I watched it all. I'm just saying that it reminded me of kind of a do or die game seven situation or game five situation where you need to win or you're out. And I'm not a grumpy old man here, but I feel like the celebration was a little too much. Oh, is that what you're at? Oh, you asked me that because you think it was. Well, I wondered if you'd agreed with me or not. It just felt like it felt like they won the World Series. The champagne, Kelnick's beer bonging in the background. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Like, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not crapping on what, what they accomplished. It's awesome. But wow. Like, no. What are they going to do if they win the World Series? No. You can't that, celebrate more than they did. Let's put it this way. I did not think that it was excessive. Okay. I enjoyed every minute of it. But if I did think it was excessive... It wouldn't be because of what you're saying. Okay. I'd have a different set of reasons for finding it to be excessive. Okay. I happen to think that home field advantage, I know a lot of people say, Mitch, ah, home field advantage in baseball. It's not like football. It's not one game, whatever. Home field advantage is not that big a deal in baseball. I happen to think in this case with the Mariners, and maybe just because I would love to go to a playoff game. Yeah. I feel like home field advantage is very important for some reason. I just do. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah, I mean, you're still playing for and it. And so you would ask me if I found it excessive, it would have been because the next day after the celebration where they're playing games that are going to determine whether they get home field, five of their regulars are out of the lineup on Saturday because, uh, you know, who knows why. Yeah. Giving them rest, the, the celebration the night before, whatever – an argument could be made that Saturday's game was more important than Friday's game. Right. We knew if you knew they were getting in the playoffs, we just didn't know whether they were going to have a home field. Now, as it turns out, as it turns out, they win on Saturday with half of their lineup, half of their regulars, which is awesome. So they stay in position to get home field. Mm-hmm. It was Sunday that was the big Stick in the eye, poke in the eye. You're, you're kind of describing how I felt, though. It's like we still got work to do here. Like this is a, this is cool that you made it. You, you, the drought's over, but we still got work to do. We're still work. We're still fighting for stuff. Yeah, it felt a little too much for me. And again, I'm, it feels like I'm crapping on the Mariners. It really does feel that. I'm way. really not trying to, but yeah. it's like, hey, we're still fighting for stuff here. Like, yeah, I don't know. I just I don't know if we needed champagne and the whole thing. Like, it's like it's it's like they just like the Lakers and the, just won the NBA championship in the locker room. I don't know. To me, it just felt like aren't we still working at something, or are we just done and we're happy to be Man, in and happy to be? I don't there? see it that way. I think the champagne was due. Okay. I think the celebration was due. I think though, at some point, maybe an hour or ninety minutes after the celebration, everything stops. You take the goggles off. You put the champagne away, yeah. and the manager says, "Okay, do we want to play at home?" Right. 
If we want to play at home, everybody go home. Yep, Don't go home. to the bars. Yep. Don't go be celebrating. If you want to play at home, we got a lot of work to do. So right. We got to catch the Blue Jays to play at home. That's right. I would say that that would have been mo- moderately appropriate okay. if, if you feel... But it was almost as if we're in the playoffs. We don't even give a shit whether we're way. home or not. It did feel And I got to tell you, when Ugly. I watch Sunday's game, Sunday's game yeah. and Saturday's game, just the way the announcers were announcing, just the way the game was going, I didn't feel like – it felt like I was sitting in my chair like, we need this game, we need this game. It, they just seemed flat both on Saturday and on Sunday like – they don't really care whether they, and I'm not saying they do or they don't. I'm sure I'm sure they'd rather play home games. Right. I didn't feel any kind of sense of urgency on Saturday or Sunday from the announcers down to the players yeah. that oh my god, if we lose this game and Toronto wins, home field is pretty much out the window. Yeah. So I guess I get I get wrapped up. I get caught up in all of that. Yeah, me too. I mean, a little I'm, bit more like, than everybody else. I'm like, "Hey, I I don't want to be happy to be there." Like we could still try to get try to catch Toronto. Like, yeah, celebrate, but you know, we got work to do here, guys. Let's go. Yeah, I think that I think that Scott's service was approaching it like, no, we're not happy just to be here. We got a lot more work to do. But I don't think in the top of his mind was we gotta host these games. I just think he thinks we'll just go on the road and we'll beat whoever we be. And maybe they will. And maybe they will, yeah. And maybe they will. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will. In the meantime, a yeah. Seattle Seahawks team that's underdogs that just lost to the Falcons at home, they go on the road. Now, I think we got to make sure we understand one another. The Detroit Lions had some guys out, some really important players out. They lost their starting wide receiver, their starting running back. There were some guys out. They were hurt. But the, the Seahawks go out there, and again, Geno Smith throws for over 300 yards Looks like Russell Wilson on his best day, not on Sunday or this whole season with the Broncos. And the, <laughs> the Seahawks just light up the scoreboard. Now, they can't stop anybody. They still st- just absolutely stink on defense. Crazy Jamal Williams is their backup. Right? He didn't look like a backup, did he? Yeah, he looked good. He looked good. Against the Seahawks defense, when he, he looked good. stiff-armed Josh Jones. Was it Josh Jones? Stiff-armed like a little kid right to the turf. Incredible day on Sunday for the Seahawks. And I'm sitting there now. Now, here's the flip side of me looking at the Mariners going, I want home field. I want this game. I want this game. I'm sitting watching the Seahawks like, do I want this game? <laughs> yeah. Do I want them to win? I can't. I'm all confused. I'm all befuddled when it comes to my Seahawks fandom now. Yeah. Because I don't know whether I should be rooting for them to win. I kind of want them to win. It's natural to root for them to win. Yeah. But every time they win, they hurt their draft choice. And but do, I know. But do they have a seven in a row in them, though? Seven wins in a row. Like, are they that good? Like, no. But that's what you're wondering because Gino looks good. I mean, the no, defense didn't look no, good. No, 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 no. They don't have not, like a six or no, seven win streak. No, I'm not wondering that yeah. at all. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> if I felt like there was any kind of even distant chance that the Mariners are good enough, uh, Mariners, that the Seahawks are good enough to make a run at the postseason, that I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. Okay. In my mind, the question is seven and ten. Or six and eleven, right? Eight and nine, or seven and ten, yeah. and because of that, I find myself just mixed up as I'm watching the Seattle Seahawks play. Even though the natural fan in me loved watching Geno Smith again throw the ball all over the field, Penny running the ball all yeah. over the field. I mean, they looked offensively like a juggernaut. Now, I'm still not sure that they were playing a very good defense in Detroit. And I did watch Detroit push the Seahawks defense all over the field as well. But 
the facts remain the same, that offensively and at the quarterback position, while we all wanted Drew Locke, a lot of us wanted to see Drew Locke, Geno's just been very, very, very good yeah. most of the time. 70% completion rate for the first four most games. Most of the time. That's incredible, 70% in the first four games. I'd love to know how many quarterbacks have well, started a season doing that. A lot of that is dink and dunk, but not, yeah. re- not in the last couple of games. In the last couple of games, especially on Sunday, I think the I think it was 10 yards, over 10 yards per attempt. Mm. On Sunday, which is a big number. That's yeah. a big, big number. So it was great. Let's get back to the Mariners before we finish segment number one. And I, how, how, how much into the minutia, into the shit, into the weeds do you want me to get? Because there's a lot going on this week as we begin the final half week of the Major League Baseball season. How into this do you uh, want me to get? As far as Mr. Playoffs goes? As far as knowing exactly what's to come this week and yeah. where the storylines are. I don't think the Seahawks are going to make the playoffs, so not very far. Oh, we're talking Mariners. Gotcha. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's let's get into it a bit. It's been a while. Hey, by the way, before you get into it, have, have you been doing that where you, like, what your life was like the last time the Mariners were in the playoffs? Everyone's no, doing No, because I would have been, I, I would send a picture of myself now. I mean, it, there's no difference. <laughs> I was old then. I'm old now. Did you have kids in 2001? No. It's crazy, right? You did, I mean, you, you did not have kids in 2001. Like, I did not have kids in, in 2001. I didn't no. know my wife, you know, last time they were in the no. playoffs. And then uh, Megan's coach, or Megan's coach, Piper's coach today said, it took longer from 2001 to now to make the playoffs than it did from the inception of the franchise until they made the playoffs. That one kind of blew my mind. Because in 95, it's like, oh, finally they made it. Yeah. That was a lot sooner than this one. It's See, just, that, that, that whole shtick is a lot more interesting when you're like 35 years old right now. Yeah. So you're 35 now and you were 14. Yeah. And you show the picture of yourself when they last made the playoffs. I think for guys like me that are 90, <laughs> what's the difference between 90 and 70? That's true, I guess. Yeah. All right, fine. I don't, I don't really know if there's that huge of a, that, that big of a difference. <sighs> yeah. But uh, it was like another lifetime ago, though. I mean, it's just crazy time how ago. long ago it was. Yeah, exciting. Well, let's, let's get into it because it's been so long. I don't, know, okay. I don't know what the hell's going on. All right. As of the time that we record this, which is Sunday night after all the games have been played, the Mariners have four games to go. You know that. Mm-hmm. They play Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Doubleheader on Tuesday yep. and Wednesday. Yep. Four games. They currently sit as the number two seed. And I only talk loss columns. At this, stage, at this stage of the game, win column doesn't mean anything. Loss columns. They are two games now as a result of Sunday's results where they lost and the Blue Jays won on yeah. Sunday. Thanks, Red Sox. They are, they are two games behind in the loss column, Toronto for the number one wild card, which is the wild card that gets the home field. Right. And they are two games in the loss column ahead of Tampa for the third spot. Those two teams have three games to play, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Mariners have four, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, right. Wednesday. Okay, so making up a game against the Detroit Tigers. So how do the Mariners end up with the home field? And you recall, I guess I got to repeat this. A lot of people may not know this. The first round of the playoffs is a best of three where one team gets all of the home game. There are no, it's not Crazy. back and forth like normal. Yeah. You either get all of the home games or you get none of the home That's games. So weird. Okay, yeah. Okay. How does Seattle now, they're up against it as a result of Sunday's results, how do they get that wild card one? How do they catch the Blue Jays and then have the home field against the number two wild card in the first round of the playoffs? There are two ways, Okay. essentially. Toronto plays in Baltimore. We've now become Baltimore fans. 
Before we hate it, we wanted Baltimore to right. lose to get into yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> now that they're out, we, we become Baltimore. Toronto plays in Baltimore. Okay. Toronto loses all three in Baltimore. Okay. And you win three of the four against the Tigers. You end up in a tie and you win the tiebreaker. You get the home field, your wild card one, their wild card two. What did I just say? The Blue Jays must get swept by right. the Orioles in Baltimore and you must win three out of four. Right. So your next question is, oh my God, are they really going to get swept in right. Baltimore because they're playing so well? Doesn't sound likely. All right. They can they can lose two of three. Oh, good. But you got to win all four. Oh, boy. Those are the two ways. Okay. So either the Blue Jays lose all three and you <sighs> win three of four, or the Blue Jays lose two of three and you win three of four. Right. And you end up in a tie and you own the tiebreaker based on head-to-head. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. We can talk a little bit about, if you'd like, how Seattle could drop to wild card three. It's been a, a, a big conversation the last many, many, many weeks, whether you'd rather wild card three or wild. I think I started the conversation. I'd like to think that I started the conversation, Mr. Playoffs, because I stated that you might like to be on the opposite side of Houston because right. remember, yep. if you're the three seed, you play in Cleveland yep. the first round, but then you play the Yankees if you get through Cleveland. Yep. If you're the second seed, you play at the first if you're the second wild card, you play at the first wild card. Yeah. And if you should get by that, then you got Houston waiting right. for you in the second Seems round. like a tougher road. Yeah. Tougher road. Mm-hmm. And in those days, when we were having that conversation, Cleveland, the Mariners were handling Cleveland, and Cleveland was in a little bit of disarray. Yeah. They were trying to hold on. Yeah, yeah. And it just felt like the Cleveland matchup might not be that bad in the first round. As long as we're going on the road somewhere, yeah. why not go to Cleveland instead of Tampa or Toronto and then be able to avoid Houston if we get through Cleveland in the first round. Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. Yep. Okay. So there's a there's still a route to end up wild card number three, but there's now an argument to be made that maybe wild card three is not as good as wild card two. Oh boy. Because Cleveland, a couple things about Cleveland, and I if I'm here, I'm throwing you the bell. You ring the bell when you get confused. Here, I'm throwing you the bell. <laughs> okay. Catch the bell. And I You ring the bell. Just ring the bell if I if I get too ho- too far. You're already confused. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Ask yeah. the question. Okay, go ahead. You're just yes. testing the yeah, bell. Yeah, I'm testing it. Cleveland A is now playing much better. Right. They're kind of much hot. better. They've gotten hot. Yeah. They swept Chicago to win their division. They're feeling good. They're playing better. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is Cleveland this week has nothing to play for. They are set to be the worst of the three division of the three division winners. Yeah. They can't be worse. They can't be better. They're they're locked in at that seed, which means they can go about their business this week, getting themselves perfectly set up for the three game series that they're ah, going to host yes. in terms of pitching. Right. They'll have one, two, and three ready when the playoffs start, and they'll have them rested and yeah. ready to go and yeah. in the order that they want them. So right. now, ask me. All right. Isn't that the case about Toronto? Isn't that the case about Tampa? Well, Tampa's third. Toronto, if you end up number two, you're going to end up probably playing Toronto. You're going to end up playing Toronto if you're number two. Okay? Mm -hmm. There's a very interesting situation that's taking place in and around Toronto. Unfortunately, with Sunday's results, it may not come to fruition, but I'm waiting to see what happens. Okay? Okay. All right. So... The Blue Jays have a starter by the name of Alec Manoa. All right. 
He's won 16 games this year, which is one of the tops in the American League, and his ERA is 2.2. He's their he's their ace. He's probably been one of the four best starting pitchers in all of the American League. Wow. He's been super spectacular. He's their ace. He's their number one starter. He's their man. Okay. Okay. He's due up next on Wednesday of this week. Mm. They they did it differently than the Mariners. The Mariners set it up so that Logan Gilbert would be due on Wednesday, and then you'd have you'd have your 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 top three. We thought the top three. We'll get to that yeah, here yeah, in a yeah. second. I have a question about that. Robbie Ray. We'll right, get to yeah. the Robbie Ray controversy here yeah. in a minute. Lots to talk about. Lots to unpack here. But um, the way the Blue Jays did it is they thought, geez there might be something to play for on that final day of the regular year, either to get into the playoffs altogether or to get a home field. So we're going to we're gonna arrange, this is weeks ago, we're going to arrange it that our stud is due on that Wednesday. Yeah. And then if we need him on that Wednesday, we'll start him. Right. And if we don't need him and we're in good shape, we'll not start him, we'll scratch him, and we'll start him in game one of the playoffs. Okay. So what was, what was a lot more realistic before Sunday's results which is why I was pissed about Sunday's game, Yeah, was it was entirely possible, I wouldn't say likely, but entirely possible, still is, that that, that Wednesday game, let's say the Blue Jays are one up on the Mariners going to the Wednesday game. Yeah. And they either have to win that game or the Mariners have to lose that game and home field is on the line. Yeah. Who's going to have the home field? That's yeah, big. If you're the Blue Jays and that's the situation, you have to make a decision on Alec Manoa. Are we starting him to try to secure home field here on Wednesday? Or are we willing to roll the dice with a lesser pitcher, Ooh. lose home field? Because if we start him on Wednesday... Yeah, he's toast for that series. Pretty likely. much. Yeah. He can't pitch Friday. He can't pitch Saturday. Sunday would be three days rest. Yeah. Maybe an inning out of the bullpen. Right. Really, you kind of you use him. It's, it's use him or lose him. Right. I mean, it's... so. What do you do Ooh, if you're the Blue Jays? And so going back to the question, Mitch, who would you rather play, Cleveland or Toronto now, now that you've seen more, more stuff, now that you have more evidence here, yeah. I'd like to know whether Toronto's got to use Alec <laughs> Manoa. On, I, if I'm the Mariners, I want to put the Blue Jays in a position where they start him on Wednesday because it makes the, the series, that forth, the forthcoming playoff series, much more winnable if they can't start their ace. Sure does. Imagine if the Mariners couldn't start their ace. Yeah. If Luis Castillo couldn't couldn't pitch in the series. Right. Now, by people who are yelling, let that be Robbie Ray. We don't want Robbie Ray. <laughs> right. We'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> what would you do? If you're Toronto. Yeah. And that's the best hope we've got right now. Because of the, the win-loss situation on Sunday, the Mariners are now in a position where Unfortunately, it looks like the Toronto is going to be able to play that Wednesday game with no fear and be able to rest him and start him in game one. But I'd love to see, love to see Baltimore rise up and beat Toronto a couple times. Yeah. The Mariners take care of business. And even if they don't get home field, go into the Wednesday game where the Blue Jays still don't know whether they have home yeah. field and make them make that decision yep. about Alec Manoa. Does that have I lost anybody? No, not not me at least. Okay. The bell is being left alone. Okay, I'm, good. I'm, I'm with you. So what do you do if you're Toronto? Typically when in these kinds of situations, I don't I don't like to wait around because there may not be a tomorrow, as they say, you know. But, but there we, but but there is a tomorrow because they're, they're gonna be in the playoffs no matter what. Right. But is it 
is it them at their best in the playoffs? It won't be if you, if you start him. But you want home fields. I, I think you probably have to start him. I think you have to go for home field and then just trust that the, your other staff now the, that's the been flip, good for you the, all year can win for you. The flip side is you could, you might not even have to win that game. You start him and if the Mariners lose on their own, you yeah. didn't even... You, you, so what the Blue Jays will do if they start him, by the way, if this situation plays out... Crazy. This is so if crazy. If this situation plays out, I've already checked... The games start exactly at the same time. Of course time. they do. I'm sure Major League Baseball did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they no, did. I'm sure they did. I'm yeah. sure they did. But they start about uh, like five minutes apart from one another. Okay. So if you're the Blue Jays, as soon as you see the Mariners like losing big or something, you pull that guy's ass from the game and you're like, how many pitches did he throw? Okay, only through 35. Maybe I can get him on Sunday if I need him on Sunday. I mean, does it work that way? I, I don't thought, know. I thought once you like, like just fired a guy up. No. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. It's a it's a hell that's of a thing. Crazy. That's such a crazy. It, it'll come down to that. I promise you. That's no. sports. You don't think it will? I think it will. I was convinced until Sunday when the Mariners were one game behind Toronto in Ugh. the loss column. Yeah. I was convinced going into Sunday's game that that Wednesday game, going into the Wednesday last game of the year, that the thing would not have been decided. But now. There's just no room. There's literally no room for error. Right. The, the Mariners have got to go, and they don't have, you know, they're going to they're gonna pitch Gonzalez in this series. They're going to get Kirby yeah. in the first game against the Tigers. But they got to pitch, I think, Flexen in the doubleheader because there's a doubleheader that day on Tuesday. And then Logan Gilbert's been much better on, on Wednesday. But anyway, that's a, that's a subplot to all of this uh, that I, I don't think can get lost in the shuffle. I'm, I'm starting him. I have to. I, have, I, want, I want home field. If it comes down to that, and I'm the Blue Jays, I'm starting him. Okay, if that's the case, yeah. then I'm going to answer you. I want to be the two seed. You want? I you want know, Toronto, Toronto in the first round ace. without their ace. On the road. I'll take my chances with Houston in the second round if I get by Toronto. But I kind of I kind of <sighs> like the idea of Toronto on the road without Manoa more than I like Cleveland, who's hot on the road with their one, two, and three Bieber and... They've got they've got some other guys rested. I mean, like ready. all rested yeah. and ready to go. One, two, and three. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see what happens. That's and why then, we love sports. It's going to be so fun. And then there's the Robbie Ray story. Right now, no Mariner fans even want Robbie Ray to start in the playoffs. Is he a top three pitcher on the Mariners? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the question, oh, right? Boy. Oh, but God. he is a former Cy Young winner who could turn it on and get really hot in the playoffs. And- okay. okay. Let's let's make this part of the conversation a little easier okay. because I'm here to tell you we can talk about this all you want and yeah. we can debate this all you want. <laughs> yeah. And I believe that Mariner fans, at least on Twitter, my Twitter, have spoken. They want no part of Robbie Ray in the postseason. They'd much because they have Logan Gilbert pitching so well now. Yeah, sure. They figure, okay, Kirby, Logie, Logan Gilbert, and Luis Castillo. We we put Robbie Ray in the in the bullpen. But you're here to say what? The first thing I'm here to say is I don't believe I believe this conversation is fun. Yeah. It's a little annoying. Mm-hmm. It's a little irritating that we have to have this conversation. Yep. But I believe it's all for naught because I don't think there's any question that Robbie Ray is starting game two. I think Scott's there's just no way, no way. Scott Service is not starting ever since the vaccine thing was lifted, yeah. that he can actually go to Toronto. And now Mariner fans are like why did they lift the vaccine thing? <laughs> For 98% of the season, we were worried we're about worried the vaccine about, Now we're like, we're calling. Now we're all want to go get infected yeah. and go up That's there right. and say, hey. Play, play, play. <laughs> and by the way, you didn't go out and spend all that money to sit his ass on the bench during uh, maybe, the playoffs. Maybe not. That's again, that's a part of the conversation. I'm telling you, Robbie Ray is starting game two yeah. 
of the of the first round of the playoffs, either in Cleveland or Toronto, wherever they play, or Seattle, wherever they play. So we can have this debate right. about whether he should be or not. I I would bet every dollar I have Ooh. that there's no way Service is taking him out of the rotation. No way. No way he's doing it. No. No way. You can't. And, and you know, and I don't know that Jerry would allow Scott Service to do it. Jerry's going to say. I just went out and spent 120 some odd million dollars, and he's not good enough to be one of our three starters. Forget, <laughs> forget the first game. He should be our ace. That's he should right. be our number one starter. Right. It, no, no. You're Scott. You're going to use that guy. Yeah. We're going to use that guy. I think he is. Now, remember, I got in trouble a few months ago with Slickhawk and Danny and a lot of the people that are listeners and that are Mariners fans that I was too critical of Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. And so I made a pledge that I'm going to lay off. Everybody's like, Mitch, you're so hard on him. What do you want from him? Most of his starts are great, yada, yeah. yada, yada. But he's struggling down the stretch. He's he's kind of on empty going to the finish line. Yep. So I'm removing myself from the conversation because I was admonished. admonished. Is admonished the right word? Yeah, I think that's right. For being too hard. I'm not going to do it. I'm not doing it. I'll let you decide. You decide. You want Logan and 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 look, Logan Gilbert is due to pitch the Wednesday, the final day of the regular season. Mm. You could pull him, but at this point, if the game means anything for home field for you, just like Toronto, yeah, I, you don't have much. You don't have much choice because Castillo's done, Robbie Ray's done, Kirby's done, Gonzalez is done, Flexen is probably done. There's really not meant, there's not much available. He's got a pitch. He's almost now. Now, if it doesn't mean anything, and Toronto's already clinched, and Wednesday is just has no has no bearing. You yeah. just let some you let me pitch. Right, I mean, you let right. some guy you never heard of. Right. That's never that's not going to pitch in the postseason. From Double A you know, Sioux Falls. Whatever, welcome. Yeah. Whatever. You let somebody. But if the game means something and you need to win it, really, Logan Gilbert's your only choice because everybody else is. Because Castillo pitches Saturday, so Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That would only be three days rest. You're not pitching no. him. And you want to pitch him in the playoffs. Ray is done. Um, Kirby pitches on Monday, so he's not available on Wednesday. Yeah. Logan, uh, uh, Marco Gonzalez will pitch in one of the two doubleheader games on Tuesday. He's not available. You really don't have much of a choice if you've got to win the game. Yeah. In fact, you don't have a choice. Unless you want to go to the bullpen and start, no. start you know, pitching starters by pull, uh, bullpen Silly. starters. Nope. Anyway. So... I asked you at the beginning if you how, how much. Well, I mean, we could we could have just done surface, or we can get in the minutia of all this. There's a lot of shit going. It's on. It's fun though. I love the little side. There's you know, a lot of stuff going yeah, on. The Toronto thing is really including interesting. a lot of unrest amongst Mariners fans. That the and let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Uh-huh. Without giving you opinion, an opinion. If Logan Gilbert pitches on Wednesday, okay, and pitches well in the final game of the regular season, or or if Logan Gilbert is not needed to pitch on Wednesday, they pitch some schmageggy, mm-hmm. and then he's he's healthy and ready to go in the postseason. And they start, and they're going to start, Robbie Ray in game two. And he gets lit up mm-hmm. by his former team or Cleveland, and they lose a series and in part because the game two starter got lit up. There is going to be a lot of hell to pay amongst Seattle Mariners because Mariners fans are already screaming right now. We don't want Ray in game two. We don't want Ray in game two. People are yelling at me. Why do we care how much he's making? Why do we care about his Cy Young last year? Why do we care that he's a free agent acquisition? The fact of the matter, isn't it who's pitching the best? Aren't you playing your best players at the time? Are we going to, are we pitch, are we going to play Winker? We're not going to play Winker. We acquired Winker. 
because he was an all-star last year, yeah. similarly as the Cy Young. We brought him in. We paid all kinds of prospects for Winker. Is he going to play? Is he going to start in the post? No, he's not. And the reason he's not is he's been this shit sandwich the last couple of months, whatever, the whole year. So same, they're going to say same apply to Robbie Ray. Uh, Why are the we same start- doesn't apply. Hey, it hasn't been a shit sandwich the no, whole year not for Robbie the, it Ray. It has not. Right. It has so not. It's not he's had great stretches. That's, That's right. exactly right. And he's playing against his former team. Yes, he is. I think there might be a little something on a little. He might, he might have a little something extra on that fastball. He might. He might be fired up to, to could play Could go the other way, too. Could be, you know, playing against your former team could be bad. Could. It could. Maybe, yeah. There's no way he doesn't pitch. He has to pitch. Like, you, 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 you go with, with the one that brought you, or whatever they say. You, you dance with the one that brought He's been there all year. Yeah, he hasn't been great, but he's been pretty good. He's had some stretches. You have to start him. You have to start. Because if you don't start him, and then you get lit up, then, every, oh, why didn't you start Robbie Ray? You went out and got a saw young one. You know, you have to. You have to go down with the ship. You have to start him. Especially against his old team. Let's go. I can't wait. Well, it he's going to kick their ass. Still might be Cleveland. It could be, yes. And unlikely. I mean, the, 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 the high, high, high percentages now say that the Seattle Mariners are going to end up the number two wild card and playing at the number one wild card, which is going to be Toronto. What a fun storyline, though, if he starts against his old team in the playoffs. It's fun until he comes out in the third inning having got seven runs. <laughs> yeah, that's then true. Then it's not so fun. That's true. Apparently, you didn't watch Sunday's game. Well, some of it, but it was like 6 nothing. I was like, forget it. But look, if, if he you- has a case of whiplash from looking around, watching balls fly out of the- <laughs> They really? were oh my god guys yeah. I've never heard of were hitting were hitting tape measure shots against the guy. Yeah. One after the next after the next. No, he was no good. And that's Oakland. That's not uh Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and yeah. Bichette and all those guys on Toronto that can just rake. What if you don't start him and then whoever you decide to start gets lit up? Well and then the fans are like, wait a minute, you went out and spent all this money, you don't even give him a chance. I mean, it's kind of a it's it's there's a only no win situation. One, there's only one guy that you would start in lieu of him, okay, and that would be Gilbert. Yeah, if he doesn't pitch on Wednesday, that would be the only guy. You're not going to start Marco Gonzalez over yeah. him. You're not going to start anybody else. And the truth is, is if they did, and this is all this is all ridiculous conversation because they're not going to do it. Right, they're not going to do it. They're, all they're this conversation him. is right. for not. They are starting Robbie Ray. That's right. Like it or not, you're going to the doctor and you're getting a shot in your arm. <laughs> That's right. This is what I say to my my son. You're yeah. going, Dad, Dad, I got a shot. There's no way around no, it. No, no. You, you can come up with any excuse you want. Right. You're going to the doctor and you're getting your shot. It's happening. It's happening. Just come to grips with it. I'm yeah. telling Mariners fans, yep. like it or not, here he comes. That's right. It's happening. It's happening. Yeah. And if he starts looking a little shaky, maybe he'll have a quicker hook with him. But yep, I, I've, yep. you know, you got to think about that. But I, I have, I don't know. I have confidence in him for some reason, especially if it's against his old team. I, I'm excited for him. I think you'll have a little something extra. Three guests, Rick Neuheisel, the Seahawks no table. Actually, four guests, Henderson and fan Christian Capel of The Athletic talking Washington Huskies football as they finally lose a game. It's time for a visit with a man who is to thank for all of our fun contests on Mitch Unfiltered, like Beat the Boys this NFL season presented by Fireside Home Solutions. He's my guy, John Waterstrat. He's still my guy, even though he kicked my ass on the golf course the other day. How are you, John? I'm doing great. Thanks, Mitch. Good to have you back. Tell us what's new. What's new at Fireside? Uh, just the same things. Inventory seems to be getting better. Uh, lead times are going down, and we're really excited. When we hear football, we hear fall and that cold, crisp weather, and we'll get you warm and cozy this fall. Well, if we need a new fireplace or we want to change ours out, I understand that you have a, a neat special that's going on 
at Fireside Home Solutions. Yep, yep. I know it's been tough out there and prices have gone up. So we're giving up to $300 off of a gas insert so we can help out people and get you warm and cozy this fall. Wow. So up to $300 off of a gas insert just by coming into the store. Yeah, Heat and Glow's offering up to $300. You can just go on there. We'll help you get the coupon. It'll be really easy. We'll take it right off the bill, and then uh, we'll get that thing installed quickly. And where are we in terms of wait times these days, John, at Fireside? Great question, and I know we always get those questions, and we've been bringing things in stock. We've gotten really good at that. So for stock items, we're out about two weeks, and for non-stock, up to about four weeks, but uh, way better than we were a few years ago. So Fireside and FiresideHomeSolutions.com up to $300 off a brand new insert this fall and Fireside, a terrific partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Start your search with Fireside Home Solutions at FiresideHomeSolutions.com Unfiltered Taco Time Northwest and Mitch Unfiltered fans everywhere are nervous. We're very (laughs) nervous now that Rick Neuheisel is red hot picking games on Unfiltered. We are all worried, he's got a four up, that after Neuheisel returns to his roots as the new head coach of Colorado, that he will (laughs) withdraw from Unfiltered. Or is he going to Wisconsin? Is he Wisconsin? Is he Madison bound? We're going to get an exclusive right now. I'm Mitch Unfiltered. Are you going back to Boulder? I am uh, happy to be unfiltered. I'm happy to be doing some work with the great Mitch Levy. How about that? I want to do some work with not only Taco Time, but with Mitch Levy right. on Unfiltered. That's what I'm happy Are your doing. coaching days over or not? You know, I never, I'm not ready to say they're over, but I'm not actively pursuing them. Uh, if somebody called me, Mitch, and said, look, you still have energy. This thing can be fixed quickly, given all the ways to create a roster. Would you consider doing? And I said, as long as I've got your support and the people who are going to call ourselves a team, we're all in that we could do it. Yeah. Then, then I'd be in. As you are longer and longer and longer away from the sidelines though, does that call become less and less and less likely because you're not top of mind with athletic directors? Oh, I think that's right. Yeah, I think the further removed you are, the less likely. Uh, but there's, you know, there aren't very many guys out there, less than 25, who have the amount of wins that I that I had in my time. Okay. Less than 25 guys of the 131 coaches out there. So this is not to give myself publicity. This is just to say... It wouldn't shock me if in somewhere down the road I got a phone call, but it's not going to also keep me up late at night if I don't. Okay. Now you are uh, four and one in your picks, and we'll get to your your most recent pick at the end of this segment of Mitch Unfiltered. You are red hot. You took uh, Texas San Antonio over Middle Middle Tennessee State 
and it was not even something that we had to worry about. In oh, fact, you had to worry. Did you watch the game no, on I Friday night? I just saw this. No, Friday night. You got to understand what's happening on Friday night in this town. We had UCLA and Washington True. happening, and we had a Mariners team that for the first time in 21 years. I was in Seattle when the Mariners were in the playoffs. Okay. I was that's coaching how long the Huskies. Ago. That's how long ago it was. So I, that is, no, that's a fact. I did not watch. I understand. Watch. Okay, I did you're not forgiven. Watch. What our audience would want me to ask is, in the midst of your scorching picks, please ask Neuheisel if he still thinks that Washington is the best all-around team in the Pac-12 after what we saw not only on Friday, but, you know, the Utah-Oregon State. Now, there's a very handsome a very handsome assistant coach on the UCLA staff that I saw on the sidelines. He kind of reminds me of an old <laughs> San Antonio gunslinger with the blonde <laughs> hair that used to come out from behind the helmet. He's got Utah. He had Washington on Friday, and now he's got Utah this week. I can't imagine that there are many people that don't think that Utah is a better all-around team than Washington and everybody else in the Pac-12 well, at this point. Yeah. there's no question that Utah has flexed since their loss in Gainesville and the heat in Gainesville that night was oppressive. So maybe that had something to do with it. Cam rising is outstanding. They did lose one of their key weapons offensively, that Keefe kid, the tight end, but they're, they're a heck of a team. And we're going to find out when the rubber meets the road on Saturday at 1230 in the Rose bowl between those two teams, SC continues to impress. That was a one-sided win over Arizona state, Oregon, finds a way to beat Stanford in, in impressive fashion. So th they're still good teams. And I'm not throwing Washington out. You know, they kind of laid an egg there for a little portion of the game, but then they came rallying back. I think Washington's going to be counted before this thing's all said and done. The problem that Washington has, I don't know how much of a problem it is because they're not playing, I don't think, for national championship recognition. They beat Michigan State. Who, and Michigan uh, State's kept losing since, yeah. Michigan State L losses lost to Minnesota. Minnesota and Maryland. Losses to Maryland. And Minnesota, who beat Michigan State, can't beat Purdue. And all and of Maryland a sudden. Maryland lost to Michigan. So, yeah, it, yeah. The, 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 the law of transference yes. in, in college football is not going in the Huskies' way right now. How about, uh, how about the Cougars again? Impressive with Cal. I just can't. I know we're going to see Washington State at USC this week, which will tell us a lot about the Cougars and the Trojans for that matter. But, you know, as I watch the Cougars dismantle Cal, I just can't help but wonder at season's end how that collapse in the final few minutes against the Ducks is going to figure into their 2022 fate. It's a problem. Because that, but for that game, you're oh. sitting there talking about this Cougar team in really, really uh, glowing terms because we're all used to Washington State being flamboyant offensively, regardless of who was the coach. They, they have been able to throw it down the field, lots of vertical stretch to the field, and they've been good that way. And Cam uh, Ward looks like another in that lineage. But defensively, they are really, really good this year. And they proved that again this year, this last week against Cal, a team that had had a running back go for over 270 yards against Arizona the week previous. Right. Okay, national stories away from the Pac-12. We had Georgia trailing the entire game at Missouri. 
and then coming through at the end. Should we read into that or should we just say, hey, this is what happens in good conferences. You go on the road. You're going to get caught up every once in a while. They got through the game and come national playoff time, no one will remember the Missouri-Georgia football game. It's okay to read into it because it's fact. They were behind and Missouri kept coming back in the game and staying ahead and it required Georgia to really focus and play well down the stretch. I watched the last half of the game and Georgia, when they wanted to flex, was capable of flexing. It was one-sided. As a matter of fact, Missouri was lucky to stay in the game. A lot of penalties, balls that were flowing. it It was clear that Georgia was a really good football team. So I'm not going to hold it wildly against it. It's hard to go on the road. It's much like Alabama when they went to Texas. Mm-hmm. It's look, you're going to get challenged. There's going to be some magic. The crowd's going to get into it, but they rallied and looked like a national championship contender. How worried are we about Bryce Young's throwing shoulder? That's an issue. Uh, and it, it was an injury that I sustained as a player where you land and your throwing arm goes you know, in such a way that it's flexes, it's called a shoulder separation. That'd be my guess. Obviously I'm not a doctor. Uh, They'll call it a shoulder sprain and there's grades to it, Mitch. If it's a real bad one, which I don't think it is, then he would have to have surgery. The likelihood is it's going to be rest. They have three weeks before a buy. They've got uh, Texas A&M this weekend at on eight o'clock on CBS against uh, the Aggies. And then they got Tennessee at Tennessee. And then they're on the road against Mississippi state. I would guess that Jalen Milrow will play those three games. It's possible he could get back for the Mississippi state game. But uh, I would say if you could give him four, five weeks from yesterday's date before he has to play against LSU, that would be the wise thing to do, especially given that he's, an NFL prospect. So that's my, that's my guess, but that's strictly a guess. Will this turn out to be a good thing for old Nick Saban as he gets his next quarterback ready? There's got to be a, a year after there's got to be a quarterback after Bryce Young goes to the NFL, right? Yeah. And a lot of people wondered if that wouldn't be a transfer quarterback oh, okay. Uh, okay. next, next year. So this is a great opportunity for Jalen Milrow to not only prove that they don't need a transfer, but it'll be interesting if Bill O'Brien really kind of tweaks the offense towards Jalen Milrow's skill set. He's much more Lamar Jackson than he is Bryce Young as a dropback player. I'm curious to see what happens. On third and 18, he hits a little uh, quick screen for a touchdown. On third and 15, he runs 77 yards. The guy's a great uh, athlete out there playing quarterback. There's a word called testy. And I'm thinking that there's a testy group in Norman, Oklahoma, and I don't mean the football team. I'm talking about the boosters and the fans of the Oklahoma Sooners. Here's a here's a program that lost its head coach in um, very in in an infamous way. They now have lost what to the Horn Frogs. Who's the offensive coordinator of TCU? Some guy named Garrett Riley. That's right. It's Lincoln Riley's little brother. So he so they lose Lincoln Riley. They now lose. They, they give up 41 in the first half to Lincoln's little brother. They've <laughs> lost two games. They're three and two. Brent Venables is the coach. How long's the honeymoon or is the honeymoon long over 
in Norman. Oklahoma. Well, they're disappointed, but I think they're going to give Brent Venables time uh, to fix the defense. That's been the issue for Oklahoma. It's the reason they haven't won a playoff game uh, to date. They've been there four times, but haven't won a playoff game given the fact that they give up a lot of yards in that deal. And yesterday was no exception. The fact that TCU could put 600 yards on them is a little surprising. And that means Sonny Dykes is ahead of where I think everybody thought he would be, but they have a challenge as TCU has been doing some work this year. (laughs) They go now to Lawrence, Kansas where game day will be waiting game day. Uh, Only seven schools in the college in the FBS have not had game day, or I guess in the power five have not had game day on, on their, their campus. And now it's down to six because Lawrence will be the side of game day. Do you know the six or do you not know the six? I will have to do some more research to tell you. Because I'm wondering if the Harvard of Central New York. I would say Oregon State is one of them. How about the Harvard of Central New York? You think that they've ever had game day? I'm going to say they have. Okay. I'm going to say they have. But I will will absolutely uh, make uh, sure that I know that by next week. Well, you better start warming up the trucks, New Heisel, (laughs) because there's a 5-0 Harvard of Central New York that's just surging up the polls. After a whipping of Wagner, (laughs) a dismantling of Wagner, you uh, are Uh, rolling. But a big game coming this weekend. Six in a row. Take a look at their next six. They could lose literally every one of the next six. So while we're in the Big 12, before we jump out of it, is the Big 12 out? I can't. I'm I'm trying to find a team that could conceivably. Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State. Okay. That was a great win yesterday uh, along the Brazos River. They're, uh, the Cowboys avenging their loss in the Big 12 championship game last week. Uh, if they continue to play like they're playing, and why, why, why wouldn't we throw Kansas in there? Kansas is 5-0. and oh. they, they knock off West Virginia at West Virginia. I mean, who's to say that Kansas can't continue to this stuff? So... But 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 my my thought is the contender is still the Cowboys out of uh, Stillwater. How about the Pirate? The Pirates dismantling of Jimbo Fisher and part B of this question, the Jimbo Fisher Nick Saban game this week, this upcoming right. week. It's lost kind of its off-season oh. luster. We had we had Don't the little even riff. say it. Don't even say the what? CBS bosses are like, oh. what happened? Oh, we had a we had a little rifter in the offseason that that just made this a, a beautifully appetizing game. And now Miscalculations. look what's Miscalculations. What happened? Miscalculations, Mitch. What, and, and it's the reason you, you brought up Paul Christ. This is the reason Paul Christ is out. They're miscalculating who they have and their ability. And then they're miscalculating their need to adapt to the skill sets that are available to them. You have Jimbo Fisher, who's been a great play caller in the past when he has great players, as we all are, right? And Paul Christ, who's been terrific in the past with great players. Now that they're having to find other ways to do things, they're not equipped to do it. And as head coaches, they're sitting there kind of stuck in it. And it's, it's, it's becoming painfully obvious. And if they don't get out of their own way Mm. and realize that they need some, you know, new ways to, invent this wheel that they're calling their offense. They're going to find themselves in harm's way. Paul Christ, unfortunately, has already done that. Carl Durrell, in some ways, has already done what that. I don't There's understand. another offensive mind. Let me, let me, what I don't understand about that is everybody tells me every year that Texas A&M gets the best players. That they got the number one recruiting class in the year. country last year. Now, 
primarily the reason was that for that was all the young defensive linemen. Oh, okay. Five five-star defensive front guys, which are the gold bullion of college football. But what he has not replaced really since he had Jack Nicholas's grandson as his tight end for Jameis Winston's Florida State Seminoles. Yes. Nick Leary, I think. Oh, O'Leary. Oh, O'Leary. I went, O'Leary. I went to, I grew up with his mom, for God's sake. Well, there sakes. you go. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you know all too well that kid was a good player. He was a really good player. But in te- Jimbo needs that. He had that Jake uh, Jake Steinmarker, or the kid that uh, played for the for the Green Bay Packers. He found him out of junior college in Kansas. He had Weidermeyer uh, last year. He does not have that piece. He doesn't have great wideouts. He lost to Nia Smith, who was his slot receiver. I mean, he's in harm's way right now. You want a trivia question about Nick O'Leary's family? I want it. What you don't remember is that Nick O'Leary's uncle, his mother's brother, Stevie Nicholas, the second oldest of the Nicholas. I played golf with Stevie. Stevie Nicholas was a wide receiver when I was at what we called the Benjamin School. He was a wide receiver, a little, a good little wide receiver for private schools, but ended up with Bobby Bowden at Florida State as a wide receiver at Florida State long before his nephew, Nick O'Leary. So my trivia question is, in his four-year career, maybe fives, five-year career at Florida State with Bobby Bowden, how many catches did wide receiver Stevie Nicholas have? I'm going to say one. You would be absolutely correct. I ring the bell. <laughs> yeah, he, he had one Bobby catch. Bowden is going to find a way to get him the rock one time. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, years later, I had Bobby Bowden on the radio show at KJR. And we were having a good old time. I was joking around. I said, you know who I, you know who I went to high school with? He says, who? This is many years. I said, yeah. you're great. One of your greatest wide receivers of all time. One of the great Florida State wide receivers. <laughs> he said, who? I said, Stevie Nicholas. Oh, the Nicholas kid. I thought I was going to get lessons from his dad. That's the reason I did that. <laughs> That's why he got him one ball. <laughs> uh, I went I went and visited Bobby Bowden my first year as a head coach. I went and saw Steve Spurrier and I went and saw Bobby Bowden. Yeah. And Bobby would come to work. He'd have a meeting with his staff. Then he'd go hit balls. Yeah. Then he'd go home and take a nap. And then he'd come to practice. Uh, and he'd sit up in row 73 and he'd make his notes and he'd start those. What a beauty. To say those notes the next day. But you talk about a charming guy. Oh. He got, uh, he, he went four and eight one year, four and seven at West Virginia. And the Athletic regents board. got together yeah. and yeah. said, Where are we going to keep him? And he won the vote seven to six. He said, "You can't say I can't win the big one." <laughs> <laughs> I love that guy. What a what a sweetheart he was. Ah, uh, what a beauty. Okay, so we've got two last things for this chat with Rick Neuheisel, presented by Taco Time and Taco Time Northwest. Before we get to his red hot picks, he's four and one against the spread. He's got four in a row. Got a little winning streak of four in a row. Bobby Levy somewhere saying, stop! Tell him to stop! Please! <laughs> um, we got to talk about who's doing some work because Taco Time celebrates people that like to do some work. And I've got mine. You can, you've can. you won the coin flip. You can go first on who was no, doing I'm following some work. you. I, I'm, I'm dying to hear yours. Okay. My, my doing some work for you this week. There's no question about it. When you 
when you I watched you as a head coach of Colorado. Yeah. I watched you as a head coach of Washington closely. I watched you as a head coach of UCLA. I even watched you as, co- as a head coach of the Arizona Hotshots. I never once saw Rick Neuheisel go all the way across the field in the middle of the game to put his face. <laughs> Greg Chiano. Let me tell you some work. Let me tell you, my friend. When you go across the field <laughs> to put your face in Ryan Day's face oh over my. a over a fake punt late in a blowout loss, and you tell him what you think of him across the he was across the that's doing some work. Okay, oh, it was some work. <laughs> it was some work, and I can't tell you how much I sat and thought about the fake punt that I ran against Oregon in oh. my first year as a coach. And how Mike Bellotti was so upset with me after the game. Now he was, he didn't come across, he didn't point his finger, but he, he was disappointed. And I, I sat there and I watched that and I go, yeah, that doesn't look good at all. <laughs> Just doesn't now, look good now, at all. Now, Ryan Day. So tell me what you think of his explanation. He said, I didn't call a fake punt. The punter. Saw the punter the, saw it saw, and just took just, off. Just and took running. off. Yeah. I had this was not a call. This was just the punter seeing the open field and he took off. Yeah. There's there there's it's what as my old coach Homer Smith would call it faucet status, right? You there's a faucet that you can turn on and and you leave it on, right? Because you trust your punter. When you see that, you go for it. Mm-hmm. But there's also a faucet that you turn off where you say, under no circumstances do you do that, even if we, you see the opportunity and that faucet should have been turned off mm. at that point. Mm. And having lived through it myself, actually, I had a, I have an excuse as well. I tried to call it off. There's always this yeah, kind of, told as, me that as, as yeah. the, uh, as the Peyton Manning Omaha call yeah. off, off, right. Omaha, Omaha. I tried to get it. My fifth year senior, Ryan black. This is in the cotton bowl against Oregon back in 1996. Uh, Ryan black looked up over and shook me off. He's a fifth year senior, Mitch. He doesn't, he's not, this is his last game. <laughs> he's running. It's in the fourth quarter. What can I do? Why'd you him? call it in the first place? Because we had had five punts blocked. We were ahead 32 to six, but we had had five punts blocked and I didn't want to punt block and run back and an onside kick. And I started going just, I go, is the uh, fake there to Bobby? How can he said, yeah, we'll walk for it. I said, then let's fake it. And then I go, I can't do that. And I said, I turned, I said, call it off. And he gives the signal and I get the shake off. I get Ryan black saying, no, I'm on TV. I'm throwing a pass. My mom and dad are going to get to see it. And what are you going to do about it? And we, it was, I, I still haunted by it. Oh, still haunted by it. Okay. Well, Greg Shiano was doing, doing some taco time Northwest work by going across the field. Who do you got? Who do you got for doing some work? I'm going to Lance Leipold. Lance oh, Leipold. Kansas. For what? Yeah. For what Kansas is getting accomplished. Yes. Given where Kansas has been as a program for the last decade and change. Yes. It is remarkable. And it goes back to what Lance Leipold did at Wisconsin Whitewater, which was a division three school where he won multiple national championships. He said, I want to go coach bigger stuff. He gets in the FBS at Buffalo mm-hmm. and he takes the Buffalo bulls to a bowl, a couple of bowl games. And now he's at Kansas in the power five, the laughing stock of college football, right? Kansas can't do this. Kansas can't do that. Well, Kansas is five and oh, and hosting game day. And that to me is a story upon stories. And let's give the Jayhawks credit and Lance Leipold credit. 
yeah. for doing some work. Doing some work presented by Taco Time. If you want to join the Taco Time team, tacotimenw.com. All right, I got the slate in front of me. I'm really curious. Uh, you know, if I were in Las Vegas or I was at the uh, Snoqualmie Casino. Where are you going? I hate, I, I hate to say it to you. I hate to say it to tell you. Tell me what you think. I hate to say it to you because I know that you're, 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 you've got them in your blood and your your son is on the staff. But, man, I you look like Utah, don't minus you? three at the Rose Bowl at 12.30 Pacific time. I think you. I think uh, UCLA, because of their victory over Washington. You, you realize have, that's not where I'm going. I know. Of I course. understand that that's of where course you may not. go. Of course yeah. you're not. Of course you're not. I just like three points doesn't seem like enough. I think Utah will win the game comfortably against UCLA, but that's me, and I'm not doing some work here. You're you're the guy who's red hot. You can quit I right saw, now. You can quit. It's time to give credit where credit's due. Okay. I have said my eyes have bled. I can't unsee what I saw. Disparaging comments like that and disparaging commentary like that towards the Iowa offense. Mm. They mustered 14 points this week. They got, I know they got beat by Michigan 27, 14, but they mustered points. They're mustered off. Spencer Petrus moved the ball. And here now next up is Illinois in Illinois in put 31. They sent in the Brett Bielema bowl. They sent Paul Chris packing. I am going with the over. I'm not worried about who wins it. Where? The over in the Illinois-Iowa game this week. Ooh, it's only The number is only 35. 35. I'm looking at it. Memorial Stadium, Champaign, Illinois. I'm taking the over, and I think we may even hit it in the first half. I'm looking at 68 degrees and no chance of showers. I got Illinois and Iowa. Illinois is a three and a half point favorite. Chase Brown's the leading rusher. We've got Tommy We're going DeVito. over thirty five. We you haven't done a total. I don't think in years. No, I haven't done an total total yet. Wow. I saw that number. I go. That is despicably low. <laughs> it can't happen. Give us a couple turnovers. We're going over that. We're going over thirty five, ladies and gentlemen. And he's Rick Newisel of CBS. And you are going to be not in the studio doing not poems. Not in the studio no this poems week. I'm this on week. a call. It's a doubleheader for CBS. Yes. We start the day in Athens, Georgia, where Auburn and uh, Georgia rekindle the oldest rivalry in the South. Yeah. And then we hand the baton back to our studio friends, Brian Jones. I think uh, Houston Nutt will be with them and Adam Zucker. They'll take you all the way up till kickoff in Tuscaloosa where the Aggies and uh, uh, Crimson Tide get it on. Where so did, where that'll did, be the day. Where did Adam Zucker go to college? Do you know off the top? The of Harvard you? of Central <laughs> New York. <laughs> There's so many of us. Where do where they, we grow on trees? You, <laughs> you uh, broadcasters, you geniuses are doing some work up there in Central New York. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Neuweisel. And of course, with all of that said, he'll be back with us on episode 210. Thank you, Rick. Have a great week. We'll be watching you in the uh, in the booth, and we'll talk to you next week at this time. Look forward to it, pal. See you now. Hey, look who's back. Look who's back. Jordan Flowers, cross-country mortgage. You hear what I did there? Cross-country mortgage in Kirkland, weathering the interest rate storm to continually provide his clients cost-cutting opportunities. How are you, J-Flow? 
Doing great. We're back in the swing of things with school starting, kids activities. It's a fun time. What's new over there? What are you working on these days? You know, we are staying incredibly busy really right now. It's just educational information for agents and buyers. We're helping agents with their listings, trying to help them see win-win scenarios for their sellers and buyers, trying to keep sales prices up for those sellers to get all the equity they can in the home, but also help buyers see the monthly payment that they kind of had slated in their head. So putting together different payment options and programs for them there. And then holding a lot of home buyer seminars, home buyer classes. So if anybody listening is interested in just coming to an informational home buying seminar and what's available to you and what to be looking for when buying a home, then email me and we'll get you on the next slated home buying class. Okay, I'll ask you for your email at the end. Because borrowing money has become hopefully temporarily expensive, we've seen a little slowdown in home values, but not as much as you would think. Why do you think that is, Jordan? Yeah, we've not seen much of a dip here. And you might read in the newspapers that a huge crash is coming. We don't really see that happening and playing out in this market. I think we have a very strong economy in general in this Seattle market. We've always been protected, even in the worst times. The last time we went through this in 08, 09, but really prices have leveled out. We're not depreciating. We're just not appreciating as quickly. So I would say still, it's a great time to list. You might not be getting a million dollars over lists like we were at the beginning of the year, but we're still gaining value. Yeah. And overall in King County, it's maybe two, 3% right now, but pure Snohomish, we're still looking great. You and your team, of course, kind of famously made the career shift from the former company, let's call it, to cross country. What does that change mean to your clients, Jordan? Yeah, the the switch was really an opportunity for us to have more programs and products available to a larger audience base that we work with, self-employed borrowers, unique income scenario borrowers, investment property buyers, and just a more direct line to underwriting for us to make more make sense decisions on the clients that we have, as well as a much larger product offering for jumbo buyers. So opened up the product mix for us. If you want to take a class or you want to learn a little bit more about home buying, what's the, uh, you always give us your phone number. What's the email for Jordan Flowers? Yeah, my email is Jordan, J O R D A N, period, flowers, F L O W E R S, at myccmortgage.com. Jordan.flowers at myccmortgage.com. We love Jordan Flowers. We love Cross Country Mortgage, a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Gone for the end zone. It's a touchdown. TJ Hawkinson. They're going to run it and get the first down. Rashad Penny. Touchdown, Seahawks. We gave up a 10 or 11 uh, explosive plays. And... Uh, on a day when the offense had 14, we, we, we give up like 10 or something like that. And, and um, they're just too many, too many chunk yards. I mean, the crazy 80-yard play and, and a couple others that they had. We just have to get those out of our football. They did it. The Seattle Seahawks went on the road in the NFL and did what Joe Fan and Mitch Levy said they wouldn't. They beat the Detroit Lions 48-45. Brady Henderson said, yeah, the Seahawks are going to win this game. And he's on the board of the KP. It's time for the Seahawks note table presented by Taco Time Northwest. Always looking to add to the team at Taco Time Northwest. And we will be discussing who did some work on this episode 
of the Seahawks no table. I bring in Brady Henderson, the man who accurately predicted he's in Detroit as we record this. Brady Henderson, what was it that allowed the Seahawks to beat the Lions 48-45? Don't say defense. No, it was their offense bailing out their defense. And that was the gist of uh, Al Woods' message to the team postgame. He he, uh, addressed the team in the locker room and basically said, gave a big thank you to the offense for, uh, he said in his words to me, he said, basically for carrying us today. Uh, And that's what they did. This was a game that looked like it was going to be a runaway. And it should have been when the Seahawks were up by two touchdowns, thanks to some brilliant play by Geno Smith and the offense. And, you know, Smith, I would say has been mostly good uh, for the first three games. He was brilliant in this one, the two touchdown passes, uh, the rushing score ended up with 49 rushing yards and the eight yard touchdown run. In addition to everything he did uh, with his arm and what he did, you know, checking them into the right plays, 23 of 30, that is, you know, for 320 yards. Well, at least the 23 for 30 part is becoming pretty much a a typically efficient day for Geno Smith. That's just what you've come to expect from him. Nobody really thought you would say before this season, and I'll give you a stat there. His, uh, I believe he's at 77.3% completion rate, according to our stats department at ESPN, among quarterbacks who have attempted at least 125 passes over their first four games. That is the best completion rate. Uh, over a team's first four games in NFL history. So wow. gives you an idea of of how efficient Smith has been. Obviously, there's more to playing quarterback than uh, just having a high completion percentage, but he's doing everything that you want a quarterback to do right now. Joe Fan, win bet in Las Vegas. Why did we get this wrong besides the fact that we didn't know about a couple of guys that didn't play for the Lions on Sunday when we made our predictions? There, there's got to be more reasons to it than that. Why, why did we miss the boat? on the Seahawks over the Lions. You know, what's funny is had it happened, you know, you wake up and you see it's DJ Chark is out in addition to uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown and, and Deandre Swift. And you think, all right, well, if we get it wrong, that'll be why, but it wasn't the Detroit lions offense still steamrolled uh, all four quarters. I mean, over a thousand total yards in this game, uh, a collective, what, eight and a half yards per play. There was very outside of a Tariq Woolen pick six, there was very little defense played. So the reason why we were wrong is the Seahawks played offense for four quarters and the Detroit Lions had zero answer for Geno Smith and Rashad Penny. Um, The offensive line was fantastic. Geno Smith was tremendous. Um, Lots of work being done by everyone on offense and very little work being done by anyone that played on the defensive side of the football. It was really impressive. Are we willing to project that it's going to happen more often this year? Or was this about a certain Sunday against a certain defensive football team in the Detroit Lions, Joe? I think it's possible you'll see it regularly in spurts, a four-quarter performance like this. Probably not likely. But, yeah, you tip your cap. The Detroit Lions uh, gave Kirk Cousins and the Vikings offense a ton of problems a week ago. There was zero resistance all day long. Uh, with what the Seahawks were trying to do offensively. It was all there. You saw the vertical passing game finally get there. That's a DK Metcalf stat line, seven catches, a buck 49 with explosives in there, as opposed to tight window traffic throws for seven yards and a cloud of dust. Um, it was just a, an, an executed game plan to perfection. They also had 33 carries, Brady, for 235 yards on the ground right now as we record this Joe fan is pumping his fist over his prediction that Rashad Penny would be the most outstanding and only pro bowler 
on the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know that I'm willing to go to that point yet after this game, but this was not just about Geno. He mentioned the offensive line, Brady. What an unbelievable performance. One of the best we've seen in recent memory by a group, the offensive line. I think that's accurate. Yeah, I would agree with that. Gino uh, was not sacked in this game. I think the Lions only finished with uh, three official quarterback hits. And, and one of those was play where they brought an all out blitz and Gino, you know, stood tall in the pocket and lobbed that pass to, to uh, Tyler Lockett, I think for like 34 yards. You're going to take a hit on that play when the Lions bring as much pressure as they did on that, but only three hits and no sacks. That is really good. And that is really encouraging considering some of the question marks that they had on their offensive line with the two young guys at tackle uh, a veteran in Gabe Jackson, who you don't know what he's got left at the, in the tank at his age. Uh, but that group looked very good. And, you know, that was a big reason why you saw Rashad Penny ice that game with the two long touchdown runs. He had some nice holes to run through there. Obviously he did a lot of the work, but they were opening up some holes there and and that's what teams want to do. And it's what they had to do uh, with the way that their defense was playing. You knew that they were going to have to lean on their run game late in order to ice this one, and they did that. I think the play of the game, I was just sitting here trying to think about what would be the play of the game. I don't know where you guys stand on that. There was a do-over, like in the old playground when we would growing up playing two-hand touch and somebody would yell, oh, no, no, my mom called. Do-over, <laughs> do-over. There was a do-over that resulted in a, I think that was a touchdown, right? Didn't they score a touchdown yeah. on the do-over the play? 30, that was the 36-yard touchdown run. What the third hell? and 16. Since when are there do-overs, Brady, in the National Football League? Yeah, I called it a do-over. It technically wasn't a do-over because <laughs> technically the, never the side judge yeah. yeah, the side judge blew that play dead. So I, I, it's still a little uh, confusing as to what happened. But on the, the second down play, Geno Smith was called for intentional grounding. And apparently the side judge side judge realized that too much time had elapsed from the game clock. That's, that's a loss of down penalty. And he realized it before their third down play was run and he blew it dead. The Seahawks, you know, they realized it. And that's according to, I think Tyler Lockett, that's why, uh, or Rashad Penny, that's why Gino, it, it looked like he just sort of threw that, that third down pass away. Didn't really look like he was trying to complete it. And, but there was still a question because the, you know, the officials huddled for quite a while. So there was still a question as to whether or not, they were going to give the Seahawks the do-over on that play. They did, and Rashad Penny took advantage in a big way. And and there, there's an argument to be made that that was the play of the game. You could also say that Penny's, you know, 41-yard touchdown was another candidate there. That play also came on third down. And with the way that the Seahawks defense was struggling, what would have happened had they not converted there? Remember, they threw the ball on second down, stopped the clock right before that. So the Lions, and they had some timeouts left. The Lions. You know, if they don't convert there, do the Lions score there? You know, do they get the ball back and score there? Probably. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, well, I, I would argue that the 41-yard the touchdown run was the play of the game. Joe, how do we put into words how bad the defense was on Sunday after all of us have been complaining week after week after week? How could this defense be so bad? And they always have explanations. They always have answers midweek. And then we go into a Lions game and we watch this. Yeah, it's just more of the same. You know, another game where Daryl Taylor is mostly non-existent from a pass rush standpoint. And Uchenna Nwosu had the, the one sack. But other than that, it was a pass rush that was mostly invisible. You've got guys running wide open. I, I can't believe that at some point over the course of the weekend, there was, and I say this somewhat facetiously because it's not like I, I think the Seahawks actually forgot about TJ Hawkinson. But when they're without Chark 
and they're without Amon Ross St. Brown and they're without DeAndre Swift, one would think the conversation would be had of let's make Khalif Raymond beat us. Let's make Josh Reynolds beat us, not their top 10 pick in a tight end who is their only guy left standing in terms of their top playmakers. And instead he goes for eight for a buck 79 and two touchdowns, including an 89 yard catch and run. The tackling remains horrific. Cody Barton, some really bad moments. Once again, we're still seeing terrible gap fits in the run game. Jamal Williams ran all over them. So yeah, it's again, it's one thing to talk about. Yeah. We need to adjust better mid game. We need to do this, but like, it doesn't happen. We're just seeing it over and over and over again. Brady, what kind of answers to those questions? Or was it just all celebratory? We're not talking about the defense. We're talking about the offensive explosion. The the Lions rushed for 145 yards on 25 carries. That's nearly six yards a carry. The quarterback threw for 375. The, the punter threw for 378. The punter threw for another six. There was just very little resistance, very little tackling, very little competitive spirit from the defense. Any any words to that end after the game? In terms of the why, no, there there was not a whole lot. It was a lot of, you know, got to watch the film and, and the typical deferring that you hear in the locker room and whatnot. But, I mean, it, it was, like Joe said, it's it was a mix of, I think, the things that we've seen already, the, the poor tackling, uh, the poor angles in the run game, just a lot of space that ball carriers have. Um, you know, the pass rush has been, I think one of the bright spots for them, but there wasn't much of it in this game, only three hits and one sack, as Joe mentioned in terms of, and, and the penalties too, I should say, were another thing. The young corners continue to, I think Tariq Woolen had the pick six and, and he's been a bright spot, but there's still a penalty issue there, penalties on defense elsewhere. And so it, there, there's no one thing. I, I know we always want to boil it down to one thing, but it's really across the board. And I think it's a mix of young guy mistakes and also mistakes of even some veteran guys who are still finding their way in a new defense in terms of what the fixes are. I don't know. You, you now you saw uh, Sidney Jones rotate a little bit with Mike Jackson on the left side. So I, I wonder if they could, you know, try to get Sidney Jones more playing time. I also wonder if Ryan Neal, uh, if they could go back to Ryan Neal as their starter at safety opposite Quandre Diggs uh, in place of Josh Jones, who I, I, I don't know exactly how he played. I would have to go, I'd have to go back and watch it again. I know on one of those long touchdown runs, he got stiff armed by Jamal Williams uh, on his way to the end zone. Um, and he's been kind of up and down through the start of the season. So then again, Ryan Neal got beat by, I think it was Hawkinson uh, in a one-on-one matchup on one of his touchdowns. So there's no real easy fix for this. What's the story at corner? I thought that when Burns was healthy, he was going to be activated and play. I feel like he's been healthy at least one week, maybe two weeks. What are they doing at cornerback? Yeah, that was a little surprising. Although, you know, they've got eight cornerbacks now on their 53-man roster. So you figured that, you know, and all of them were healthy except for Justin Coleman in this game. And so you figured that there was going to be a healthy scratch or two there. And I think it's just a matter of if Artie Burns is not the full-time starter and Sidney Jones isn't the full-time starter, then it's hard to make both of those guys active on game day because, those are veteran guys who you have not asked to play special teams. And if you're going to be active, you've got to ju- and you're not starting, you've got to justify that spot by playing special teams. That's just the sort of numbers game that teams run into when they don't have enough injured players who automatically take up those inactive spots. So I think that's what happened with that. That happened with uh, Sidney Jones last week. And I think it's what happened with Artie Burns in this game. He's a guy with starting experience. And remember, 
he was he was working with the number one defense, as was Sidney Jones in early in training camp before both those guys went down with injuries, uh, the pulled grind for Artie Burns and the concussion for Sidney Jones. So I think Tariq Woolen is making enough plays to justify his starting spot on the right side, but I'm not so sure that that's the case with Mike Jackson on the left side. So I think you're going to continue to see Sidney Jones and or Artie Burns get some run there. What kind of injury situation did they have on Sunday? They get out of the game clean? Yeah, the only one that I know of was uh, outside linebacker Daryl Johnson. He sprained his ankle. Uh, He was in a walking boot afterwards. Pete Carroll just said that it's a sprained ankle. He did not know uh, how severe it was, but that's a guy that as crazy as it is to, to say about a guy who they claimed off waivers right before the season. That's a guy that they need. He, he started in this game because he's been playing a lot better than Daryl Taylor on early downs. And that's why they're getting him more playing time along with boy Mafe. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, DK Metcalf gave everyone a scare when he was carted off the field in the second half. Of course, we know now that that was just uh, for a bathroom break. So all good there. Joe, what do you know about the new Orleans saints next week? I mean, we're going to talk about this on our next installment of the no table, which is released to patrons on Friday. I'm a little surprised. Maybe there's some intel that I don't know about. Why are the Saints going to London one week and then turning around and coming back and playing the I thought you get a I thought you get a bye, you get a week off after you you play in London. What do you know about the Saints? The Saints played a tough game against the Vikings on uh, on Sunday morning and came up a little bit short. What you give the Seahawks a, a puncher's chance? Yeah, I think the Saints offense has been poor enough, although going against Seattle's defense. Is there an offense poor enough to struggle against Seattle's defense? I don't, I, yeah, I think there's a puncher's chance. I don't think the saints are a dominant team by any stretch. And you saw uh Geno Smith start against them a year ago where the Seahawks had a chance to win. Uh, the story with them is Alvin Kamara has been hurt. He didn't play on Sunday in London. It's sort of a surprise scratch when the 90 minute list came out. So it's veteran group. It's Latavius Murray. It's Mark Ingram. And then potentially it's Kamara next week. But the story of their young season is Chris Olave, their first round pick, the wide receiver out of Ohio State has been an absolute star. And so in the early going first four games of the season, he is already the headline act in uh, in New Orleans for the Saints. The, the defense hasn't been, I think, is probably as good as they want it to be. Marshawn Lattimore had a really tough day uh, on Sunday against Justin Jefferson. You anticipate him seeing a lot of DK Metcalf next week, and that'll be a fun matchup. But yeah, the Saints being the home team will certainly have an edge. I don't think there's a reason why the Seahawks can't remain competitive. Yeah, and that was a very physical matchup last season. And I think the it was the Monday night game against the Saints between Marshawn Lattimore and DK Metcalf. So uh, maybe some more fireworks there in, in the game next week to answer or attempt to answer your question, Mitch. So NFL teams, when they're playing overseas, they get the option of having their buy. So they can they can tell the NFL that they want their buy the following week, but teams don't have to do that. And I think uh, the Packers are doing the same thing that the Saints are doing and that they're deferring their buy until later in the season, presumably because they just don't want to burn it uh, this early in a 17-game season. They'd rather have it later. Before we get to who was doing work, presented by Taco Time and Taco Time Northwest and all their terrific locations, did I hear them on Fox, Brady, say that this is the first time in Seahawks team history that they played a game without punting? Do you know the answer to that question? Because that, that that was stunning to hear that on the TV. On Sunday. That's true. That's I looked it up in their media guide. That is that is true. This is the first time they've gone an entire game without punting. They've they've punted one once in a game twenty times, including uh, last late last season when they beat the Lions. But this is the first wow. time they've ever not punted in a game. Wow. 
All right, who's doing work? You know the Taco Time Northwest is always looking to add to their team, to the Taco Time Northwest team. Lots of compensation packages, signing bonuses for managerial positions. Go to tacotimenw.com and take a look. All it takes is a is a quick Zoom interview, and you could be working for Taco Time and joining their team anytime soon. But they want people that do some work, that like to work. And that inspired us to identify, especially in the wake of Seahawks wins, somebody or someone or some people that have done some work. So I'm going to give Brady Henderson the pick of the litter this week. Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider. Follow him on Twitter. He does a great job. He's in Detroit as we speak and we record. Who was doing so? A lot of There's a lot of choices, a lot of guys to choose from. Yeah, there's some obvious ones. And as you guys know, I'm a team player, a Taco Time team player. So yes. I'm going to defer uh, some of the obvious ones to you guys. And I'm going to tell you that DK Metcalf, was doing work uh, seven catches for 149 yards, including the, the 54 yarder uh, that set up uh, one of their scores. You know, remember the comments that he made about Jeff Okuda uh, earlier this week. It, they, they were not as you know scathing as I think some people made them out to be, but you know, he basically said he was asked question about Okuda locking down some of the NFL's best receivers. And he basically said, well, I don't think it's fair to say that he's locking them down because he's getting safety help over the top. Um, and he ended that comment with a compliment to Okuda saying that he's a good corner. So it wasn't the comment that some people made it out to be, but it's, it wasn't the typical comment that you hear. And it wasn't the typical praise that you hear a guy make about a, a guy he's going to face uh, that Sunday. And I think it, he sort of put himself out there and he sort of, if he didn't have a good game, if, if Okuda shut him down, he would have really drawn a lot of criticism, a lot of heat for that comment. And so he stepped up and had his best game of the season. Uh, DK Metcalf was doing work. Joe fan in Vegas. You know, it's funny. I was watching red zone for a bit on Sunday and it was the afternoon slate, I think. And I was sort of on my laptop, sort of listening. And, and uh, Scott Hansen said, I don't even know who it was, but said, whoever, Oh, he's doing some work in this one. And I sent him a cease and desist. And I said, <laughs> absolutely not Scott Hansen. That, that is, uh, uh trademarked by Mitch yeah. unfiltered and taco time Northwest. Thank you for that, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, was that before? Was that before or after the scathing text to Mr. Playoffs? Was that before that or after that? Was it scathing? No, it wasn't. Or all. am I just an idiot? <laughs> no, you're actually trying to be helpful, which I appreciate. But uh, uh, go ahead. just goes back to how math and now reading just not strong suits of your boy. So not really sure what I bring to the table. The the no table. The non. Anyways, not a Rashad Penny was doing some work. Seventeen carries, one fifty-one and two touchdowns. Yes, he was. I, I said. I stood on the table for it and said he would be the leading rusher on this team this season. Uh, and I think he's more or less been very impressive so far. I mean, there's been some games where he has been quiet, but the entire offense has been quiet. And so um, good to see him, you know, 17 for 151 and two touchdowns. Uh, Kenneth Walker had some nice moments. But again, I think as long as Rashad Penny is healthy, he will be the the one A or just the one to, to Kenneth Walker's change of pace number two role. If anybody cared over there in the Seattle Seahawks facility about us doling out the who was doing some work awards, I'd be worried because I'd have to choose between the offensive line and Geno Smith. Doesn't Geno Smith deserve some sort of doing some work accolades after his 23 of 30, 320 yard, two touchdown, and don't forget a couple of runs. I think he had seven rushes for 49 yards, including up the middle on a quarterback draw for a touchdown. He was doing some work. The offensive line, every one of those guys. 
was doing some work. So I don't know. I guess I got to I gotta pick up the pieces because you guys have left Geno Smith and the entire offensive line on the table. So we're handing out Taco Time Northwest Awards to the entire offense. Everybody on the offense, offensive line. I thought that wasn't allowed. You just, you went for first, second, third, fourth, fifth. You, could, so you gave a lot of 11s. You got 11s before anyone got to come back and you're, give out another you're one. Right. You made that rule yourself. Be, you're the master of you making rules, saying there are new rules, telling me I broke a rule, and then breaking your own rules. May I ask you a question? Yeah. Was the rule that you can't go back for seconds or that you can't go back for seconds before everybody else goes one time? <laughs> which 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 one? What was the rule, Joe? Damn it. <laughs> I, th- I think what I was mad at is that you went back for seconds before you allowed the other guys on the panel to take firsts. I'm a man I of think- honor and integrity. And and you got me there. <laughs> okay. Now there, there should be a rule, though. So what? Mitch is taking the entire offense. No, no, I'll, I'll take Geno Smith. I'll take Geno okay. Smith. I just okay. feel I just feel badly that the three of us have left. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's hyperbole what I said earlier, and maybe it's the you got to take into consideration who they were playing. Think about that performance by that offensive line. I mean, go back in your memory to great games. I'm sure there have been great games by offensive lines in the past, but when you combine the the pass protection against a lot of blitzes, it seemed like they were blitzing a lot. And you combine that with the the run blocking and the holes that they were opening up, it almost feels like the offensive line threw a perfect game. They threw a Felix Hernandez. No, no, a perfect game. I don't know how they could play better. Could the offensive line have played better in that game on Sunday? Average gain of 8.8 yards per play, 555 total yards, and 9 of 12 on third down. Yeah, it is one of those games where everybody should get a game ball. There were some penalties. I'm not. I'm not willing to call it a perfect game. Not a perfect game. Uh, okay. Because there were some penalties there that moved them back, which has been a problem for them. But right. um, and I also think that you know Geno Smith deserves a lot of the credit for getting the ball out in rhythm as well as he did. And and you know quarterbacks sacks are you know quarterback plays a big role in there. And and he in this game as he has done all season has done a nice job of getting the ball out to do his part to avoid those sacks. But I, I agree. This was an excellent performance by the Seattle's offensive line, even if it wasn't perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, the KP goes to the one, the only, the handsome, the debonair, the dashing Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider. And what that means is he should be prepared that when we uh, reconvene for the Friday show for patrons, you will be on the tee first to project the final score of the saints against the Seahawks. And then all go second. And Joe Fan goes through. That's it. Joe Fan, win bet in Las Vegas. Thank you, Joe Vegas. Always fun, fellas. Brady Henderson, follow him all week on uh, on Twitter, social media, Insider, Seattle Seahawks, ESPN.com. Thanks, Brady. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you the CEO of Daniels Broiler and Wingpoint member guest champion, Lindsey Schwartz. Should we tell everybody that it was like, Flight 26, or should we leave that part out? Well, we should leave it out because it's not true. It's also not true that I was the overall champion, but we were champions of the fifth flight, okay. which I feel pretty good about. And, and you know, you probably think you'd be in the first flight, but I'm, I'm guessing you'd be like in the third or fourth. Third flight. or fourth flight. Only only one flight ahead of Lindsey Schwartz. Yeah, one. <laughs> you guys just had a Seattle version of the Bourbon Bash at the downtown location in the Hyatt. We haven't talked about the downtown location a lot. What's the progress over there since the pandemic? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, that was closed for several months. And uh, we opened the bar, just bar only about a year ago. And then a few months ago, we've opened the dining room. So now the bar and dining room are open seven nights a week. It's getting a little bit busier every week. We're really happy with the progress. As a matter of fact, I took the family to Hamilton a couple weeks ago. And uh, we parked at the Hyatt, had dinner at Daniel's, walked to the Paramount. It's like a block and a half away. The show's awesome, by the way. I know you're a, you're a big musical guy. Have I you am. seen Hamilton? I have not seen Hamilton. I've seen the oh. I've seen the TV version, but I've not been to a show of Hamilton. How many times have you seen it? You know, I've seen it a few. <laughs> I, I, I yeah, people are gonna make fun of me. I have seen it and I love it. And you definitely should do it. And you definitely should have dinner yeah. at Daniel's yeah. before. How about football season at Dan? I don't know that people kind of connect Daniels for football season, but there's some there's some opportunities at Les Shy before and after games and viewing opportunities at Bellevue. Tell us about football season at Daniels. Yeah, transitioning from musicals to football, <laughs> only on Mitch's podcast. Yes. Yeah, I mean, football, you know, Leshi is open for lunch every day, including the weekends. And that's a great place to go before a game. I do it all the time before Seahawks games. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I'll go to a Husky game. It's super conveniently located to both those stadiums. So great place to go for lunch. All three Seattle locations are convenient for dinner after a football game. And then I like watching games at Bellevue. In Prime 21 up there, we've got the big screen TV and the couches, and it's a really fun place to watch a game. I got to tell you, Daniels Broiler has been an amazing partner since the radio days and now with Unfiltered since the beginning. When you think of football, maybe you don't quickly think of Daniels Broiler, but now you will. Daniels Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Still picking up the pieces from the Washington Huskies' first loss of their season on Friday, back on Friday at UCLA. Christian Capel does a hell of a job for the Athletic. He's back with us on Unfiltered. Hi, Christian. Hey, how you doing? I'm okay. We still got the Rainier's hat going. We still got the big, long beard going. Uh, Every time we we log on together, I think I'm going to see some change. But the more times change, the more you remain the same, Christian. You know, I just had a birthday and it was the rare birthday that passed without a without receiving a new Rainier's hat. So maybe I just, I got to go, I got to go take care of that myself. Although, Hey, it's the, <laughs> maybe, maybe that should be a Mariner's hat. That's the cool thing. Now they're cool again. So. Yes, they are. They're very cool. Again, uh, Christian Capel from the athletic on the Huskies first loss of the year pass defense, right? That's the headline. That's storylines. One, two, three, four defense as a whole third down defense. They couldn't get off the field on Friday night. With this team coming into the season, if if you, if you had to pinpoint something that was, going to be what kind of held them back from being that, you know, really top tier type of team. It it was going to be the pass defense and the secondary, which is kind of a strange thing to say about this program in recent years, because that's always been one thing, even when they lost, you know, three starters to the NFL, you could pencil in the next guys. You just do, you kind of took it for granted. They had guys who were going to start and play key roles for them in the secondary this year, who were themselves unproven. And now they're missing a couple of those guys, Asa Turner and, and Michelle, Mich- Michelle Powell at cornerback due to injury. And so now you're talking about a redshirt freshman, a true freshman playing a bunch, um, some guys who, who 
you know, we're, we're second on the depth chart and haven't been in starting roles before. So um, it's, it's, they're, they're moving things around, trying to, trying to find something that works, but this was the first team that really attacked them through the air. I mean, that really, I think understood that that was where the, the, the advantageous matchups were going to be. Um, and you were kind of waiting, okay, Michigan state got some stuff done in the second half. Stanford did when they finally committed to it and had to come back a little bit, but no team had really committed for four quarters to attacking that secondary. And, and you saw what happened when a really talented quarterback with some big receivers actually went after him. Christian, you kind of tippy toed around my, my next question. You didn't fully answer it. So I'll ask it. Husky fans are saying to themselves, what happened? Did they miss on recruits? Did they have transfers? How did we get to the point where a program that's had so many great defensive backs, even in the lean years, the last few years, as you point out, got to this point? How did we get here? Yeah, it's a little bit of recruiting. Um, and then it's it's some um, just guys are taking a little bit longer to to develop than some of them. I mean, you think Kyler Gordon and Trent McDuffie were two of the best cornerbacks in, in the country last year. You had both of those guys starting. Trent McDuffie was in his third year out of high school. He had eligibility left. Uh, Kyler Gordon was in his fourth year. He still had two years of eligibility left after last year because of, of the COVID year. Um, you know, those guys were star recruits, great athletes, developed either on schedule or ahead of schedule and left for the pros, which is the way that you want it. They've had guys in classes since then, you know, who were who were both Kyler Gordon's age and Trent McDuffie's age, who were also really highly rated recruits, but they just haven't gotten those guys playing at that level yet. I think that was kind of what they hoped for from Asa Turner this year. Um, you know, Dominique Campton who's playing their Husky position, basically their, their nickel position. You know, he was also in Kyler Gordon's class um, and was someone they were really excited about. And I think he's, he's played okay at times, but I mean, really right now it's the cornerback spots where they lose those two guys. They have to go out and get a transfer in Jordan Perryman. Who's been banged up. He just came back for the first time in this game since the opener. Michelle Powell was a former walk on and they don't even have him now. He's hurt. Um, you know, Julius Irvin has, has moved from safety to corner and he's not a guy who's been a regular starter before, even though he was, you know, like, like Kyler Gordon in that 2018 class, a very highly rated recruit. And then you go down and, you know, Devon Banks is a, a redshirt freshman. Um, JV Hung Green is a true freshman and then he's out there playing significant snaps. And maybe you could say the recruiting hasn't been at like a super, super high level the last couple of years. They do still have some guys on this roster who were highly rated as recruits. Um, they just haven't turned into quite the, you know, the big time difference makers yet that I think they hoped for. So I'll ask you about Kalen DeBoer and recruiting defense and putting the defense together over the next few years. But before I do that, are any of these guys that you mentioned that are that were out the Powells of the world, the Turners of the world coming back soon? And you talked a little bit about how defenses are now going to go after Washington's secondary. There's just no question about it. Do the next four opponents before we get to Oregon, I think they're Arizona State, Arizona, they've got Cal, they've got Oregon State. Are these teams built offensively to be able to take advantage of a perceived weakness in the in the Huskies defense? I don't know that they've been real specific on Turner and Powell as far as like their long-term outlook. I know they were, it was very clear, you know, the week leading up to this game that neither of those guys were going to play. You know, those teams you mentioned before they face Oregon right now, it really it seems like Arizona is is probably the biggest threat to them passing wise, just because Jaden Delora um, is capable of putting up big numbers. Jacob Cowing is leading the league in, in receiving. He's got seven touchdowns in five games for them. Of course, they did just play Colorado. Cal is, is not a team that 
is probably going to like really hurt you through the air. They, they just scored nine points against Washington state. Um, you know, Arizona state, I don't know that they've got a great passing attack, you know, shutting down Zazavia and Valade is going to be the, the big challenge for Washington there. And they've been okay against the run this year. I mean, I think Zach Charbonnet was, you know, he, he did a good job on Friday, but yeah, I mean, before you get to Oregon, I mean, I would say this, these next three games, uh, I, I'd be looking at, at Arizona, you know, and they still got a lot of flaws too. Um, Jaden Delora is somebody who, if you can put some pressure on him, you know, he's, he, he can be mistake prone at times. So there could be some opportunities there, but yeah, I mean, against anybody who commits to throwing the ball, the key is going to be getting pressure on the passer. Like they sacked Tanner McKee eight times. And I think he's going to play in the NFL. He's six, six, you know, big body, big arm guy. You know, he didn't give him time to, to get that done. So, I mean, that, that's going to be the key against quarterbacks who can really sling it. What about the rest of the defense you mentioned in your piece? And I was talking to my sons about it the other night. Great minds think alike. I've never seen so many guys miss on the first opportunity defensively, making the first person miss. UCLA, whether it was the quarterback or the receivers or the running back, it didn't matter who it was. The first defensive player to the point of contact always seemed to miss. What more can we say about just the defense as a whole as opposed to the secondary? Yeah, I mean, I think that was another thing coming into this season. I don't know that you looked at that depth chart and saw a ton of guys who were like big time, you know, super difference makers. You know, they've, they've had some guys like, you know, Alfonso Tupatala has really come along at linebacker. They like him. I think he's pretty solid most of the time. Cam Bright is a, you know, a, a six year senior transfer from Pittsburgh who, you know, is a captain and he's made some plays and you've seen, you know, like Braylon Trice, I think has been really good on the edge. Jeremiah Martin is probably playing the best, the best football he's played on the edge. But yeah, I, I, I don't know that athletically they have the guys. Cause like you said, I mean, you did, you kind of took it for granted over the years that, okay, Trent McDuffie's isolated in space or Kyler Gordon's isolated in space, or they're going to, they're going to try a quick receiver screen out here in the flat. And, you know, Miles Bryant is, is just going to you know beat his blocker and blow it up. Or Elijah Molden's going to beat his blocker and blow it up. And I don't know that you quite see that level of athleticism and like individual playmaking ability on this defense yet. And, you know, that's yeah. just, that's something that they're going to have to bring along. Let's talk about something else that helps the defense and that's running the football. Now, offensively, there's not a lot to have issue with in the first four or five games of the season and the Kalen DeBoer era. They've been terrific offensively. The quarterback's been great. It's been high flying. They kind of slept walk through the second quarter on Friday night. They were good in the first quarter and great in the second half, but there were a couple of interceptions and, and missed opportunities in the second quarter. But with as great as the pass game is and with his emphasis on a creative passing game, which is awesome to have, it seems that you can kind of unintentionally get away from the run game that's been effective when you have an effective running game which also could be working, helps you control the ball, helps you control the clock, puts your defense in harm's way a lot less if you run the ball effectively. Do you feel like that sometimes DeBoer is guilty of that, getting away from pounding the rock a little bit? Maybe a little bit. I feel like for the most part, they fit it in pretty well. They don't have a running back on this roster, probably, who's someone you say, like, that guy definitely has to touch it 20 times a game. Like they told Wayne Talapapa when they went out and got him as a transfer from Virginia that, you know, he'd have a chance to be kind of one of their workhorses. And, but I think being a workhorse on this team means you're probably more in that like 13 to 15 carry range and they're going to rely on a couple of guys. And 
And obviously they like Cam Davis. You've seen Will Nixon mix in a little bit, Richard Newton a little bit. So you, I don't know that they have that, you know, that real solid number one to, to, to lean on that way. I think you mentioned that that second quarter and, and in the first half, you know, the, the fumble and the safety is the total unforced error completely shifted the complexion of the game. I think that should probably change their plan a little bit. Um, and then also, you know, they pick up a third and one with Cam Davis on the ground, but get hit with a holding penalty on, on Roger Rosengarten. And, and now you're, you're third and 11, third and 12. And right. And you, and you got to throw it. So I think, I think the score probably dictated it a little bit. And like you said, I mean, panics throws those interceptions and you're kind of on your heels and you know, you're, you know, probably aren't in a mode of having a ton of confidence in your defense based on the very early returns in that game. So um, I, you know, I, I think they are committed to wanting to play a, a physical style at the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I do think they just kind of got stuck in a mode in that game where they, they were going to have to throw it to have any chance of getting back in it. So let's end this conversation with Christian Capel of The Athletic, who covers the Huskies, as well as anybody, by the way, by getting you to size up the conference. We're five games essentially into the season. We think Washington's pretty good, especially on offense. They're not going to play Utah. They're not going to play USC. We know that. Utah seems terrific since they lost to Florida. USC seems pretty good, although I thought that they would be a little bit more explosive the last few weeks offensively. UCLA is undefeated. Oregon's gotten back up off the canvas after the Georgia game. Washington State had Oregon dead to rights, and if they take care of the end of that game, they're undefeated and probably in the top 12 in the nation right now. And then there's Washington. How does Christian Capel look at those, I don't know, six-ish teams? And, and not that it matters, but how do we handicap it at this point in the season? It's anybody's league. Right? Other than I really thought Oregon State was was going to be a, a contender this year or in that top tier. And you start 0-2 and you lose you know, one of those to Utah. Um, you, you can probably count them out at this point. I, I I picked Utah to win the league before the year, like like most people did. I, I would still, um, I'd still have my money on the Utes. You know, if if Cam Rising throws a, a touchdown pass on that, you know, that last drive in in Gainesville instead of throwing a pick, you know, you're you're talking about Utah as a playoff contender right now. And I think they did right. kind of fall out of the out of the consciousness after that. But they've really they played really well. They just took it to the Beavers. Um, you know, I think Oregon is is figuring out a lot offensively. And, you know, they, they dispatched Stanford the way that, that you would want them to I think that, you know, obviously that comeback in Pullman kind of changed everything for them. Yeah. Um, they'd have been walking out of there two and two and oh, and one in conference play and, you know, all, all types of questions about who they are. Um, that's still a team you don't want to play. You got to like Wazoo. I mean, other than that fourth quarter against Oregon, I mean, Oregon moved the ball on them pretty consistently Great. that that game, but they've they play really hard defensively and, and make a lot of plays in the backfield. And, you know, I think Cam Ward and that offense are only going to get better. Um, yeah. I'd still probably put Utah and USC as the teams to beat though. I mean, you would have liked to maybe seen a little more out of the Trojans the last couple of weeks. If you're, you're talking about them being a contender and, and maybe a fringe, yeah. you know, make, make a run at a college football playoff type of team, but you know, they're getting it done. They're five and zero, um, and that, and that's what it's about. Did they change the the way they picked the teams for the conference championship game this year? They did. Yeah, no more divisions, just the just the top the two top teams two with the teams. best record. I'm trying to think of how that's going to work out with Washington not having to play Utah and USC. They might yeah, be able to it's, creep it's into a huge that benefit. Two. Yeah, huge benefit there. So, who would you pick right now to play in the in the Pac-12 championship game? I would still say Utah and USC. 
Um, even though they, they obviously have to play each other. So you want one of those is going to have a loss. Uh, I just don't know that I see a ton of losses for either of those teams on their schedule, you know, Oregon's right there. Them getting that win in, in Pullman is going to make it really hard for Wazoo to, to probably get back in that. But yeah. I picked Utah and USC before the season. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything so far to, to take anyone else. I've been a subscriber of The Athletic since the very, very beginning, and I read all of Christian Capel's work. And thanks for being back on Mitch Unfiltered. We'll watch to see how Washington gets off the mat with the Arizona schools next. Thanks, Christian. All right. Thanks, Mitch. And here she is, senior financial planner for Evergreen Golf Call, Katie Versio. How's everyone doing over there at Evergreen? Things getting a little better in the investing world, Katie? You know, we're, we're hanging in there. It's been a pretty bumpy ride, though, Mitch. Yeah. It's been an interesting summer, to say the least. Yes. Katie has three stump the band questions from the financial world, and I am ready. Is there a topic this time around? Yes. So we're doing a market update. It's been a very volatile ride across all financial markets this year, so I'm I'm going to kind of quiz you on topics I've asked you about earlier this year, just to see how things have changed. Okay. Question number one. I'm ready. I've asked you several times this year. We've discussed U.S. consumer inflation. It's been really high this year. In May, the inflation increase was 8.6% year over year. And in June, it was 9.1%. What was that figure in July? Was it an 8% change, 8.5 or 9%? Just to stab, I'll go B8.5%, Katie. That's right. Yes. So while still very elevated at eight and a half percent, that's a very high rate. The figures came in lower than expected. And so that really boosted the market here in the last few weeks. So inflation is coming down a little bit, which means I can do no worse than 333, which is a great batting average on the Mariners. Go ahead. Question number two, Katie. Okay, so in April, I asked you about interest rates that you could earn on a six month CD. In April of 2021, you could earn 0.17% interest on a six month CD. And in April of 2022, you could get 0.2% interest. So even though at that time, the Federal Reserve was raising interest rates, it was not impacting savings rates for individuals. So today, what could you earn on a six month CD? Is it 0.3%? 0.6% or 0.9%. I'll go 0.9%, Katie. That's right. Yes! Yes! Now that the Fed has raised interest rates several times, it's starting to trickle down where investors can earn a little bit more on some of these types of investments. So the Fed raised 0.75% in July, and they're being a little bit more aggressive trying to rein that inflation in. Well, I'm not sure in all the years that we're doing this, Katie, that I've ever gone three for three I don't know what I'm going to do if I go three for three on this one, but I'm ready to give it a try. What's question number three? Okay, so I'm giving you an easy one with the last one. It's a true or false question. True or false, both stocks and bonds are down this year. Absolutely true, because I know that when stocks are up, bonds are down and vice versa, but that's not the case this time around. That's right. You got that right. The S&P 500 is down about 17% this year, and bonds are down about 12% this year because of what the Federal Reserve is doing with raising interest rate. It has been negatively impacting the price of bonds. Just a very volatile time, and we at Evergreen have been very active in managing our portfolios and trimming when the markets are going up and buying when things are going down, and we think that volatility is here to stay for at least the short term and that it makes sense to to be actively managing a portfolio. Well, I hope our audience understands that I'm going to 
keep this one up on the uh, on the podcast for the next two <laughs> or three years because I just I just went three for three. Before you finish, Katie Versio, you have a, a little survey that you guys are doing on the website. Yes. If you go to evergreengk.com, you can access our client compatibility survey where you can learn more about us. And if you're interested in our management style and if we could be a good fit, you can take our client compatibility survey. Talk about a great fit. Evergreen Golf Call has been just a terrific partner and sponsor of Mitch Unfiltered since the beginning. Where would we be without them? Evergreen Golf Call. Everything wealth. Ladies and gentlemen, Zeke's Pizza President Dan Black with an update on all the exciting stuff happening in their world. It's football season. Dan, welcome back to the show. Yeah, we're always excited for football season. Can't wait for the Hawks. Can't wait for the dogs. Uh, We're ready to go. Summer has gotten away from us, but some exciting additions to the Zeke's Pizza family. We've got Mount Lake Terrace. We've got Seward Park, both open on the same day. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, when you open restaurants, it's kind of fluid as to the exact opening dates right up until the end. And it turns out that Terrace Station up in Mount Lake Terrace and Seward Park both opened on August 24th. They're both doing great. I've mentioned before that they're both full-blown pizza pubs. It's the full Zeke's experience. I love hanging out at both places. Seward Park has actually become my on-the-way-home beer spot, even though it's totally not on my way home. So uh, that speaks to how cool that one is. It's very neighborhoody, And so, yeah, that's they're, they're both really great. It's amazing because now you're south to Tacoma. You're north yep. to Bellingham. We know about Sp- Spokane, and now some exciting news about going out of state. Yeah, I think I mentioned we were working on a deal in Boise, maybe, but we got it done a couple of weeks ago, and that is really exciting. It'll be our first one out of Washington State. Boise is obviously an exciting up-and-coming city that's that's been booming for a while, and a lot of cool energy down there. It's a really great match for Zeke's. They're very outdoorsy down there, which is always a great connection for us. So we'll be up in eight to ten weeks. It'll be a great beer-drinking spot, and we think people in Idaho are going to like Zeke's a lot. It's unimaginable how large the footprint has become, Dan. Operationally, what are the challenges for you guys? Yeah, not only have we been opening quite a few units just in general, but the the big story, as you mentioned recently, is the expansion of the footprint with Bellingham, Spokane, and Boise coming in relatively short order. Uh, It does create some operational challenges. The main one is is dough and the way we've solved that. It's actually a great thing for the customer. The the ones that are out of our commissary range, Mm -hmm. they make their dough fresh on site every day. And so it's actually even fresher than, than what you get in Seattle, even though we do that every day in the morning here too. But um, so it's so far, it's been great. What's the black family eating these days? You know, I think I've mentioned our new pepperoni from a company called Coro in town that used to be Salumi and their all their products are really great, but we switched over to their pepperoni a few months ago and <laughs> we, the black family can't order anything different. So we've been eating Puget Pounders, John Candy's, Dragons. It's the pepperoni is really good. That's what we're on right now. I think we're going to be on it for a while because it's, uh, like I say, it's tough to get away from it. It's that good. Very, very exciting. Mount Lake Terrace Station, Seward Park, Boise still yet to come. Amazing things happening at Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Other Stuff segment, episode 209, episode Stockton, California. Yeah, Modesto, I thought. was the Same thing, maybe? Same, was I think Modesto? same thing, yeah. Same thing, yeah. Modesto, Stockton, but you know Modesto from George Lucas. That's exactly right, yes. Yeah. It, am I the only one, by the way, speaking of the Mariners, uncomfortable yeah. with the name Big Dumper? 
Yeah, I don't like that. Can we that. not have that name? I don't know why I hate it. <laughs> I don't think it's cute. It makes me uncomfortable. Uh, the whole thing makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Maybe if we got an explanation as to why he is the big dumper. I feel like we could do the math as to why he's called. Isn't it? Maybe it's something we're not thinking of that's a little cleanlier. Okay, maybe. Maybe there's something clever going on there that we don't know about. Yeah, I, I, I don't care for it. No, I don't. I don't, I don't want to call him the big no, dumper. No, I don't like it. Either. It's weird. Yeah. All right, your buddy Jeffrey Dahmer. Remember him? First? Yeah, he had kind of that weird look to him. But yeah, partly because did he of, eat people? He Are did. we back to Army Hammer again? Well, he remember his awful glasses that he wore, kind of no. a weird style. Anyway, no. the ones he wore in prison are up for sale. Oh, if you'd like shut to the have hell them. up! Shut Taylor hell James, up. who runs Cult Collectibles out of Vancouver, Canada, okay. says he's willing to part with the glasses for 150 grand. Now, there's a new Netflix series out about him. Have you watched any of that? On, on no, the, no. So that can't. I'm sure people are getting into him again for some reason. So that can't hurt the cost. But this guy has a bunch of Dahmer stuff. He, I love. He's got Dahmer's cutlery. He's dead, right? Yeah, he got killed in prison. Okay. Yeah, after like I mean, 18 months in there, maybe two years, a prisoner killed him. Um, but he's got Dahmer's cutlery, Dahmer's Bible, <laughs> original family photos, and a bunch of paperwork that you can bid on. So happy. I don't bidding. think I want to hang out with that guy. God, his Bible. All right, 125 oh. are dead after a soccer rivalry in Ugh, Indonesia. I have that brutal trampled and tear, tear gassed. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so Ugh. the fans were fighting on the field and then the trampling came when the fans tried to get the hell out of there because of the tear gas. Well, because of everything. Yeah, the chaos and then at, at the exits is where the trampling occurred and where people were Yeah, just awful. The whole thing was like a war zone. I don't want to go that way. That's not the way I want to go. Being, being suffocated. To, that's awful. Being trampled to death. Yeah. It's like, you know, people keep telling us we need to fall in love with this soccer. It better catch on here. But then you hear something like this. You're like, holy I, Lord. God. Hope I don't want to ever be in anything that, that serious. Let's see what I got. I got Bryce Young injuring his throwing shoulder, the quarterback of Alabama. How about the the whole Tua thing? Have you followed that at all? Yeah, it, it was actually tough for me to, to read it and to watch it. It was really hard for me because I've told you before, I, I, I watch football differently than I used to. And that was awful. It was just awful. His fingers. Yeah. I mean, all of it was just hard for me to watch. I figured you'd have it, so I didn't bring it. So the NFLPA fired the independent neurologist that was used to decide whether he was fit to, clear. to play. Yeah, wow. Him. He's, he's out. Oof. And now everybody's waiting to see how long the Dolphins are going to hold Tua out and when he's going to be medically cleared to play again. Yeah. The the sad thing is, well, it's not the sad thing. you got to make sure that he's he's healthy. But they may be now in a position after what happened in the Buffalo game on Sunday and then him turning around and playing on Thursday. Now the Dolphins are in a position that if he's truly healthy enough to play, they probably can't even play him if they want to play him because everybody's watching. How right. long are they going to hold him out now? How long are they going to hold him out now? Yeah, you're under a microscope now, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, completely under a microscope. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Oh, that was awful. Awful. Thursday night. Yeah. yeah. Brutal. What happened to the player in Minnesota? I could have looked. Wasn't there a Viking that got hurt pretty badly on Sunday? Don't know. I don't well, know. Minnesota either. played in London yeah. against New Orleans, and I'd only caught the last part of that game. The injuries in this game, man, they are just getting worse and worse. Shohei and the Angels avoid salary arbitration. Okay. He got a one year, $30 million deal. Talk about the best bargain in sports history. You know how much Shohei Otani made this past year for being one of the best pitchers in the game and one of the best hitters in the game? No. $5.5 million. <laughs> That's crazy. So they have club control of him. Uh, you know how it works. Six yeah. years. We talked about this with Julio. When a guy starts playing, you got six years of club control. Yep. The last three of which are arbitration eligible, where you can go to you can go to court or go to a arbitration to figure out what the one year salary should be. Then after the sixth year, you become a free agent. So he's one year away from 
free agency when he can get anything from anybody. Right. You had to determine what he's going to make in the one year between now and then. He's going to get $30 million. So they're not going to go to salary arbitration to have somebody else figure it out. The two sides just agreed. Okay. $30 million for next year. So if he's $30 million for next year and he has a good year both on the mound and at the plate, what is he oh, when he becomes a free agent one year from now? It's going to be $60 million a year, right? Something like that. You yeah. would think $50 million a year. Yeah. Starting salary, fifty million a year. Yeah, I mean, I told you before, his agents to say he tell him he literally is one of the best. He should be getting double. He should <laughs> yeah. be getting a double salary. He like it's get, not laughable. He, no, no, yeah, he should get whatever the seventh best hitter gets, which <laughs> right. is twenty five million. <laughs> That's right. And he should be getting whatever the third best pitcher gets, which is forty million. That's so right, sixty five million. There you go. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's not laughable. He should be getting that. He deserves it. Yeah. All right, am I up? Yep. A Northern California mother of two was sentenced Monday to 18 months in prison for faking her own kidnapping so she could go back to a former boyfriend, Ugh. which led to a three-week multi-state search before oh she God. resurfaced in, on Thanksgiving 2016. She pled guilty last spring to staging the abduction, claiming two Latina women abducted her and lying to the FBI about it. And now, as part of the plea bargain, she's required to pay more than 300 grand. The judge, by the way... Not happy with her. He he opted for an 18-month sentence oh. in order to deter others. 18 Jesus. months for faking your own. What happened to breaking up with someone? Why do you have to go through all this? I was wondering the whole time. It's a lot more trouble to go oh through my, this. Isn't it? Yeah. 18 months in prison? Yeah, I mean, why not just break up with the person? Divorce. That's a lot of work. Anyway, it didn't work out for her. The judge was none too pleased about the amount of people who were impacted. You're aware of this uh, high school senior quarterback in New Orleans, Louisiana, that goes by the name of... Arch Manning. Yes, I am. The reason he goes by Arch Manning is that's his name. Yes. Uh, he is named after his grandfather, Archie Manning. Familiar. The nephew of a couple of quarterbacks that played in the National Football League. Well, this past Friday night, I'll have you know that Newman High School in New Orleans, in their win, Arch Manning threw for 356 yards and seven touchdowns. <laughs> is that any good? <laughs> he passed... <laughs> He broke the all-time yardage record for that high school, 7,268 career yards passing. He broke it on Friday night. That was held by Eli Manning. Right. And his seven touchdowns gave him more than 93 career touchdowns, which broke the touchdown career mark of a guy named Peyton Manning. There you go. So he broke. How do you like being the nephew of Eli and Peyton? And in one high school game, your senior year, you break one uncle's record and you break the other's right. uncle's record. I like that. It's amazing. He's I, got the last lap. By the way, he, he broke the all-time yardage record passing yards for the school. Is that right? 7,000-something? 7,268 yards. Probably, what, his third game of the year? I mean, he's got like seven, yeah, eight more games to go, four, right? Yeah, something like Six, that. Six, seven more games. Yeah. He's going to destroy that record. Unbelievable. And his father is Cooper Manning. Right. Who everybody says was the best athlete of the whole bunch, but right. he had a he had an injury, a neck injury in in, in college. Neck thing, yeah. Uh, he he went to Ole Miss. He was going to be a receiver, <sighs> and uh, it uh, it ended his career. But now he's watching his son break all kinds of records, including his brother's records, his brothers Eli and Peyton's all time records. He's going to Texas, by the way, next year. Yeah. To play for Steve Sarkeesian, and what's and, his NIL deal going to be? I don't know. Does he even want it? He fronts like he doesn't, but I don't know. Does who's going to turn it down? 
I don't know. He doesn't seem like he wants all but that But he's not stuff. the son of Peyton where he doesn't have to worry about money. I mean, you he know. He didn't do the whole ESPN yeah. hat thing. Right, but that doesn't, you don't get money for that. I mean, no, you're not going to, if someone's going to give you $10 million or whatever, yeah, you're you going to take grandfather. it. You call your uncle <laughs> Peyton. Call Uncle Peyton who's call rolling Uncle in Peyton. it. Well, Eli did okay for himself, I'm too. I'm sure he did. <laughs> yeah, There's right. money in that family. There's a little bit, yeah. <laughs> you know, taking an NI deal, an NIL deal from like uh, a plumbing company in Austin. Why not? Really? I, hey, dad didn't play in the NFL. Uncles did. Dad didn't. I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, I okay. think dad is a very successful businessman, though. He may not take the money, but what are these offers going to be for that kid? It's going to be out. It's just incredible, right? Well, they don't have to offer him anything now because he's already said he's going to Texas. The, the big offers come when you're deciding where you want to go to college. Yeah, but you still might want him yeah. to do something for I your guess. I don't know. I just feel yeah. like he's just going to be an incredible stud. Hey, former NFL, your buddy, former NFL wide receiver Antonio Brown is at it again. I know this is on your list. Of course it is. I'll just read the article. Embattled all-pro receiver Antonio Brown. I, I don't want to. I, I, I of course it's on my list. Are you talking about a guy pulling out his pecker in a pool? That's on my list. Pulling out his pecker in a pool. <laughs> yep. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> Embattled all-pro wide receiver Antonio Brown was caught on video shoving his bare buttocks. Last time I heard the word buttocks was Forrest Gump. That's right. He got shot in the buttocks. And he got ice cream every day, remember, in, uh, in the hospital? We got to eat, eat ice cream. Yep. Bear buttocks in the face of a stunned woman. Well, I'd be stunned too. In an outdoor swimming pool at a swanky Dubai hotel. Then, as the article in the New York Post says, I'm not making this up, lifting his manhood out of the water and whipping it in her direction. Who yep. wrote this? Whipping it in her direction as wide-eyed vacationers watched in shock. Video footage obtained by the New York Post of the May 14th incident at the Armani Hotel Dubai shows Brown, 34, way too close for comfort to the woman oh. who initially laughed it off, but then quickly swam away to escape the controversial wide receiver. It's the other stuff segment, so I'm bringing in the other stuff. Again, it's like, I, I'm, I want to laugh. It's funny, but it's is not there, funny. Is there something going on with Painful. him? Like, does he need help? Yes. Because the, the woman You're asking that question. Yeah. I mean, did you see him take his jersey yeah, off? And, yeah. He's got a, a, a real hatred weird. of clothes, doesn't he? Any chance to take his clothes off? No, he can't wait. I don't think it's about the clothes. I yeah. think he's got in love with his own body. I think and she complained too. Like she was, she was yeah, kind of laughing at first no. and then she wouldn't complain. But ugh, no. God. All right. Trouble on the waterfront in Ohio. You heard about this? Oh, I, I, I have trouble on the pro fishing circuit. Is that what you're doing? On the waterfront in Ohio, yes. I didn't know that it was on the waterfront. So, Waiting down, weighing down the fish. Is that what you're going to do? It's kind of diabolical, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of brilliant. Yes, that's the one. You want to do it? You want me to? No, get you it? do it. A couple of fishermen have been accused of cheating to make their catches seem heavier than uh -huh. they were, and the video proof is damning. Chase Kaminsky and Jake Runyon, both locals, were apparently caught stuffing their walleye with weights yeah. and other debris with things coming to a head on Friday as their fish were being weighed and then cut open to expose the truth on Lake Erie. God, the area reports or there are reports of the fishermen going on to win other contests in and around the area. Now, all of the accolades and prize money they've racked up are coming into question. People are not happy on the, the old pro fishing circuit. Do you remember the first fish you ever caught? Yeah, it wasn't really much. I, it was always hard to uh, kill yeah, I'm them. assuming you've caught a fish. Yeah, I think I have trout or something when I was a kid. I, yes. didn't, I didn't like it. Though. I didn't the like first fish it. I ever caught was a blowfish. <laughs> it's a true story. Really? Yeah, Aren't those deadly? Huh? Aren't those deadly? Yeah. 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 I think they are. The poison are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't want to pop them. You don't want, you know, you know it was a blow. He, he blows up. I remember when we pulled him out of the intercoastal <laughs> in Florida yeah. in like 1981. 
Uh, he was swelling up, and my uncle said, "Oh no, 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 no! We're cutting the cut the line." Get <laughs> my uncle went running the opposite direction. Didn't, uncle Michael didn't uncle take Mike you. went. Uh, <laughs> didn't take you with him. He just left. I told you about Uncle Michael <laughs> when we went out on that cruise. You remember the the, oh, the, the fishing guy that got trip? Seasick. He got sick. So did I. Oh. We, were, we were both lying on the on, on the deck. Brutal. Yeah, yeah. A blow. I caught a blowfish. Wow. He's like, oh, cut that thing. Okay, get, get rid of that thing. <laughs> it's no good. He's trying to run it across the way. Um, so the, cheating on the fishing circuit makes me laugh. Like cheating in chess. We'll talk about another time. The Rachel Nichols story. Rachel Nichol. Yeah. Rachel Nichols. Oh, Rachel Nichols. Yeah. You know who she is. ESPN. Yeah, she yeah, was. Yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. What happened with her? I remember. I think. Remember Rachel Nichols um, left or got fired from ESPN controversially. Because she was recorded oh, surreptitiously yeah. saying something bad about a another woman yep. uh, anchor, yeah. Maria Taylor. That's right. Who was trying to, who had, they were going to replace her on some sort of a anchoring position. Remember that? NBA, I think maybe. Yeah. Or yeah. So she went away. They got rid of her. It's been a long kind of several months and maybe even not a year, but several months of silence. She has now told her story. And I thought it was worthy because we've talked about this on the show. I thought her story was worthy of giving you her story to see if you feel maybe differently about it. Okay. I don't know how I don't know how anybody felt about it to begin with. Yeah. She was recorded saying, "Hey, something negative about Maria Taylor, whatever." According to Rachel Nichols on some sort of a podcast, I don't know what podcasts are. Mm -mm, heard of them? She was in her hotel room during the pandemic. And there was new technology ESPN was using to do the remote stuff mm -hmm. that involved an app in the back. Now, please don't ask questions because I'm not. <laughs> don't worry, I won't. I'm going to do my best here. There was an app that was involved in the communication between her and ESPN. Okay. After she was finished, she, this is the first time she'd ever used this technology. The app was still running in the background of her computer which allowed ESPN people to actually look into her room and hear and see what was going on in her room. Wow. Okay. This is her version of the story. She claims that ESPN never called her and said, turn off the app. Right. They never turned off. I guess they can't turn off the app. No one ever communicated with her. They just sat and somebody in, in particular sat and watched for, for an hour or so, watched her Weird. unpack watched her and listened to her talk to her husband on the phone and her kids oh, and whatever. And then several minutes or an hour later, she was on the phone with a friend saying that they want to take me off of talking about Maria Taylor. That's when this person at ESPN with the app still running in the background hit record on some device at ESPN and recorded her speaking on her cell phone in her hotel room an hour or so later and got her saying negative things about Maria Taylor. On a private call. On a private friend. call. The only reason that she was recorded was because that app, that new technology, was still open in the background of her computer. And I, I read this and I thought, well, maybe I have a different... Well, I don't know that I ever had an opinion, but... Right. It, it doesn't sound very good for ESPN and whoever that person is involved, does Well, it? you think after the Aaron Andrews thing... Yes. They'd be very, very, very careful about cameras on in host hotel rooms... And maybe someone should have said, whoa, whoa, we got to turn this off. Yeah, who's the person sitting there monitoring it? You hate that person. I mean, who's doing that? Looking for, hoping she says something yeah. salacious that you can yeah. bust her. Well, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not That's, good. That doesn't sound good for ESPN at no. all. Yeah. It doesn't at all. Yeah. A private call. It's like, eh, it's kind of, yeah. I mean, you're allowed to have those, but yeah. This week with Brett Favre, do we want to update <laughs> yes. the Brett Favre story? <laughs> it's funny. You have a new segment. I have a new segment too.
Well, Brett Favre every week looks worse. Yeah, this week with Brett Favre. I like the it. Latest, the latest on the Brett Favre story is now we found out that the charity that he founded, the foundation that he founded, which is something for hope, where I think I think it's uh, women can- uh, cancer, a cancer charity that he's okay. got. He took money from that charity and gave it to Southern Miss for the volleyball Jeez. facility, for the new volleyball. So not only was he encouraging stealing from uh, welfare, yeah. but he was uh, he was using money that was acquired by his charity, his cancer charity, for the Southern Mississippi volleyball facility where his daughter was playing. He sounds nice. But... Flag football with <laughs> the brace right. and Jerry Rice. And Wranglers. He's got Wranglers. He loves playing football in jeans, doesn't yeah. he? You go ahead. Uh, all right. Time for a new segment I like to call. Yep. Fan Fight of the Week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a Manny, I, I make my own jingles. A Manny Machado fan pummeled a Dodger supporter in a wild fist fight at the Padres game on a Wednesday night, connecting with haymakers over and over Jesus. again. The scrap went down at some point during LA's 1-0 win at Petco Park when two rival fans started throwing hands at each other after getting into some sort of disagreement in the stands in right field. Video from the, of course, the video is amazing. It shows the Dodgers fan. He kind of got the worst of it. He got rocked with uh, a huge right hand. I have not seen the video. If you want to go watch it, it's out there, right? Right at I the want start, to the he gets rocked by the Padres fans. So there you go. Fan fight of the week. I've got a few other quick things. Ed Sheeran being sued. I didn't see that. You know who Ed Sheeran is? The singer, the redhead fella. He's been ordered to stand trial in the United States after a judge ruled that a jury should decide whether he copied elements from Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On. Oh, interesting. In a hit track. Um, wow. 1973. I don't know what... Uh, oh, Thinking Out Loud. That's, Thinking Out Loud. Okay, that's his song? Is his song, okay. is Ed Sheeran's song that mm. apparently might have some inspiration from Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On from 1973. So I got that. The Mackenzie Bezos divorce. Do we want to mention that? That she's already getting divorced after a year? The newly married Mackenzie Be- Bezos, Jeff's yeah. ex, who married the Lakeside history teacher. Right. I think the teacher of her kids... Oh, yeah. I think. You think, I think he, does he get anything in that two years? I don't. I have no idea. I don't have any idea either. I'm but just kind of curious. But I'm feeling for Mackenzie Bezos a little like I have told you I felt for Jenny Garner over the years. Yeah, oh, she's yeah. got Ben Affleck running around with Jennifer Lopez oh, and yeah. saying, well, this was my real love. Finally, I got to be the love Finally. of my life again. <laughs> How do you feel if you're Jennifer Garner? All right. <laughs> Not as much as that, but Mackenzie Bezos is this quiet, giving money to charity multi-billionaire yeah. who's watched Jeff Bezos now. I mean, everywhere Jeff, Jeff Bezos goes with that girlfriend, oh, the, the Hollywood insider. I got to see him on boats. I got to <laughs> see him on planes. I got to see him on trains. I don't think trains. I got to see him at parties, on yeah. red carpets. I got to see every time I turn around, Making I see out in public, Jeff Bezos and, oh, holding God. hands with whatever her name is. Yeah, right. And so I felt that. And then Mackenzie Bezos, she she she, she weds a, a history teacher. Oh, it's sweet. It's yeah, Jeff, yeah, Jeff Bezos is hanging out with like Entertainment Tonight reporter or something. Him or something. and Shaq want to buy a team yeah, together. Yeah, someone and in. Mackenzie Bezos marries a, a history teacher right. from Lakeside. I wanted that to work out. Yeah. So I'm a little sad. Two years later. One hit, year. Oh, one year. One year. It lasted one year. Hit the bricks, buddy. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. She's on the market. And then I wanted to do an RIP that you don't have on your list. I'm sure you don't have this RIP. Okay. But, so you go you, you, your RIPs first, and then I'll do my RIP. You won't know this guy, but he was a trailblazing professional wrestler named Antonio Inoki. He, you know, That's my guy. Why wouldn't I have Antonio Inoki? He's a big deal. 
Well, the only reason I know Antonio Inoki is yeah. not the reason you know Antonio Inoki. I know why you know Antonio Inoki. Well, I didn't realize that Antonio Inoki was known for anything more than what I know him for. No, he's a legend. He's a I didn't know legend. that. Okay, so I, that's the only one on my list. The thing you know him for kicked off his career. I watched it as a kid. I'll never forget it. My At dad, Shea Stadium? My dad took me to the closed circuit. It was, <laughs> I think it was on closed circuit. It was in on closed circuit. I think it, it was, was on, on closed, closed circuit. circuit. No, because 32,000 people watched it at Shea West Stadium. West Palm Beach Auditorium. I went. My dad <laughs> took me. It was the most frustrating thing I've ever watched. All he did was kick the shins of Muhammad Ali all night. He kept on kicking his shins. Over 100. Kicking his shins. Over 100 kicks to the fable boxer's legs, yes. Oh, you know that. Yeah, sure. I remember. I was nine years old. I remember as if it was yesterday. I had no idea that you knew who this guy was. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. So that's mine. Well, tell people what happened. It was a, the, I don't know. What do you mean? What happened? 1976. It was like the. Uh, it was like the Rocky Balboa versus Thunderlips. Thunderlips. Hulk Hogan. Yes. The Rock- crossover exhibition fight. Yep. Antonio Inoki. Is it Inoki or Inoki? Inoki. Inoki against Muhammad Ali, the heavyweight champion of the world. Mm-hmm. 1976. Shea State. Is that what you're asking me? No. It was in. Uh, it was in Tokyo. Oh, it was in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you say Shea State? Oh, Shea Stadium at 32,000. 32,000 people. Yes, it was in Tokyo. Yes, it was in Tokyo. Um, and I just remember watching it with my dad. I remember. Yeah. I remember it was so frustrating because I was a big Muhammad Ali fan, I think. And all the guy kept on doing was kick- I didn't know who he was at the time. Yeah, no one did. And he was just kicking the shins. Kept on yeah. kicking his shins. That's all he did. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it, it sort of it kind of kickstarted his career a little what bit. What was his career? I it, know he was a, some sort of a politician. It was right? a 15-round bout that ended in a draw, by the way, in case okay. people are wondering. who. But he was a big-time uh, wrestling promoter in Japan, and he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2010. Ah. He was big time and he wrestled ah. too. And, you know, he, he promoted Hogan, Ric Flair, everybody over there. He was big time. But like you said, he was also a politician who successfully negotiated with Saddam Hussein oh. for the release of Japanese hostages Did before not know the 1990 that. Gulf War in Iraq. Did not know that. And he worked with North Korea to stop the kidnappings of Japanese citizens in Pyongyang during the Cold May War. May he rest in peace. 79 years old. May he rest in peace. Yes. All right. A popular Wisconsin news anchor. You see this one? She took her own life after sending texts oh. to a friend oh. and her ex-fiance, revealing the pain she was going through right before she shot herself. Oh. He called off their engagement seven weeks before they were to get married. Police arrived at her home, heard a noise, followed by the sound of something falling. By the time they entered, she had already shot herself. Oh. Yeah, they found a receipt showing she bought the weapon 90 minutes before killing herself. Young. Rest in peace. Um, her name was Nina Pacholki. She was a famous Wisconsin anchor. So rest in peace to her. Uh, former Dallas Cowboy tight end, Gavin Escobar. I'm sure you saw this. Yeah, I did see this, yeah. Picked in the second round of the 2013. I think he wore number 89, if I'm not mistaken. Really? Yeah. Well, he, appeared of a, he died of an apparent rock climbing accident in California, just 31 years old. Yeah. He was a father, too. He became a firefighter with the Long Beach Fire Department. So rest in peace to Gavin Escobar. This one, Coolio. This one hit me. Coolio. Remember Coolio? Yeah, I, I don't know who he is, but I know he was a rap. I mean, I, I don't know much about him. Yeah. I was surprised to see his age. What, 59? 59. I thought he was a young guy, Coolio. See, I don't know. Yeah, he, I mean, They're it feels young. like he should be a young guy, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, so in the 90s, he had uh, Gangster's Paradise, that song that was mm-hmm. from the hit movie with, well, this, the movie was Dangerous Minds. Who was in Dangerous Minds? What what famous actress was in Dangerous Minds? Blonde woman? You remember that movie? That at wasn't all? a Robin Williams movie. No, I don't think it was. I mean, it was an okay Dangerous movie. Dangerous Minds. It was with Michelle Pfeiffer. You remember oh. her? <laughs> Easy on the eyes, Michelle God. Pfeiffer in her day. Uh, so yeah, I love he, Michelle Pfeiffer. That song, Gangsters Paradise, reached number one and stayed there for three weeks. And Paradise became his big hit, but he also had others. Fantastic Voyage hit number three on the Hot 100, as well as one, two, three, four, something new. Anyway, Coolio was 
59 years old. He, he went in to use his friend's bathroom and was in there a long time. And his friend was like, hey, what's going on? And that's where he had the heart attack. So and then sorry. when EMTs yeah. came, Terrible. that was it. So rest in peace to Coolio. And that's all I got. Headlines. A few headlines. Headlines. A two-legged robot took to the track and ran the 100 meters in 24.73 seconds, breaking the record for soulless, brain-dead, two-leg android sprinting, previously held by Senator Josh Hawley escaping the Capitol. An experimental drug slowed cognitive decline for people in early stages of the disease Alzheimer's, which is fantastic news if they can just remember to take it, of course. A California man became the second person to ever kayak from California to Hawaii in a kayak, a journey that took him 91 days. Jesus, I thought I was cheap. They do have they do have planes, right? Still, a woman was and finally a woman was hospitalized for three days after the family dog had an attack of diarrhea while sleeping next to her face, oh, with some of the feces getting in her mouth, causing a gastrointestinal infection. Turns out the woman and the dog actually performed together for audiences all over the UK. What do they call themselves? You ask, the aristocrats. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. You know what it dawned on me during the uh, during the headlines? Uh oh no. The next time that you and I are together, yes, you realize not only will the baseball season be over, the first round is going to be over. Oh God, that's right. That's crazy. The first round playoff series when we record episode two ten. Oh, by the way, I'll give you a head start. San Antonio two one zero. I know that. Oh, you do? Yeah. All right. Just like 209 is yeah. Modesto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 210, San Antonio. Is that from your producer days? Is that how yeah, you know yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, San sure. Antonio Spurs. Um, yeah. The season's going to end on Wednesday. They're going to play game one on Friday, game two on Saturday, game two. We're going to know the next time you and I look at each other, whether the Mariners are off to the second round of the baseball playoffs. Now, so it's hard round. for you to make a prediction because you don't know who they're going to play. No. Are they good enough? To beat anyone in the first round and go to the next round of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, I call them a major... I, I call them an underdog because I feel like they're going to be on the road. Yeah. They're they're scuffling. They're clearly scuffling. They're not scoring a lot of runs against good, good starting pitching. I would think it would be a fairly decent-sized surprise if you and I are talking next week and they're still alive. Would it be an absolute ridiculous stunner? No. Okay. No, because because they have they've got Luis Castillo, who I'm hopeful is gonna pitch like he just pitched in this last start. Yeah. He had struggled a couple starts in a row. I'd like to see Robbie Ray get back to where he was. I know a lot of people don't want to see him at all. Yeah. And I, I like George Kirby. I think they've got a puncher's chance. Okay. I, I think they've got a puncher's chance. Remember, the one thing to look for is Let's hope that at least Wednesday, going into Wednesday's game, it hasn't been decided yet, and Toronto is forced to make a decision yeah. about their ace pitcher. So awesome. I'd, I'd like to see them make that decision. Such a cool storyline to follow. Awesome. It may not be worth anything because they may have clinched it. They're saying to themselves, let's clinch it before we have to make That's it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, wait, wait, Julio. Is Julio back? When's yeah, Julio's back this week. He is. Julio's back this week. And I think he obviously brings, you know, his statistics, but I think just having him around. Oh, definitely. It lifts everybody, right? Definitely. A, a rising tide lifts all definitely. boats, as they say. Definitely. Let's go. Come on. Let's Mariners. go. Let's go. Um, episode 209, George Lucas, Modesto, Stockton. Hello. Uh, in the book. <laughs>